Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? This is a, uh, a first of its kind, this episode. We've always wanted to have weave, royal we. I've always wanted to have uh, different types of artists on the show, and here we literally have a fine artist, a, a, an incredible painter, Justin Bua. If you don't know him, check him out. Uh, do a Google image search of Justin Bua. See him on Instagram. It's B-U-A. His work is phenomenal. He's also a really weird dude in the, in the way that I love, uh, in his artistic approach, in his approach to life. He's from New York. He's a he's an interesting dude to talk about food, uh, about God. The whole thing was wonderful. So check him out, justinbuad.com. Uh, and this uh, oh, I got to read the sponsor. And this is where I read the sponsor. This is a uh, this is an old standard for us. We're so grateful to Squarespace for being our sponsor for this episode. It is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of the hosting, SEO, and even makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you do want help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that's available 24-7. It started at just $8 a month, and that includes a domain name if you sign up for one year. And as a free trial for 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer WEIRD4. WEIRD and the number 4. That's it, everybody. For anything uh, Pete Home Show, we got... Uh, let's see, 12 more tapings. Uh, weirdos have been coming out in force. It's been incredible. Uh, please come back. PeteHolmes.com slash ticket. Tickets, uh, if you'd like to come. And uh, PeteHolmes.com for any clips, anything about the show, uh, the Pete Holmes show that you might want to know will be there. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Without further ado, let's get to the free podcast and make it weird with Justin Bua. See, you'll love this. That's right where the wolf man was. Get out, open energy. I just want to be far away from the wolf man. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want the comments that the Wolfman got. Uh, no, we're gonna. We are. We're gonna nip that shit in the bud. You and I are gonna successfully have good comments. Uh, we're gonna have good comments. We're gonna talk about art. We're gonna awesome. talk about love. We're gonna talk about God, and we can talk wow. about vegan stuff. But cool. we're gonna oh, do it. We're gonna do it later. Up. Yeah, I mean, was it his raw thing? No, he talked about Ormus. That's what. Some people are like, what the fuck? I but I mean, fucking kill him. To, some people. I mean, to be honest, Ormus is a strange, strange concept. Uh-huh. Uh, but some people like me just don't care. I'm like, I'll rub this on my skin. This I don't is, give we're a not fuck. recording it, right? We are recording. Okay, good. I'm sorry. Is that? I don't, it's not a trick. I just like getting. <laughs> you tricked me. You said the n word four times. Yeah. Oh my god. Really? I, I thought I only said it nine. <laughs> Wait, that's more. Yeah. Justin. Bua. Yes, Bua. You're the first artist we've had on the show. Really? Which is ironic because you're in a freaking comic, comic book, book shop. Yeah. I know. I got to tell you, man. How dare you? Let's start. This is such a great place to start. Okay. That you, you graciously see. I get to say thank you. Invited me to your your seminar. You have these seminars. Yes. Uh, you're you're an incredible artist, and I'm not just saying this. Absolutely one of my favorites. I don't. I don't. I'm not just saying that because I know you. I love your stuff. It's thank fucking you. fantastic. Thank you so much. I don't know what it is. I like paintings that kind of look like you're dreaming. 
mm-hmm. said that to you once. And there's something surreal about them. I don't, I don't know the jargon. I'm not a fancy art person. But I look at it and I'm like, that looks like a dream I'd like to be in. You know what I mean? I think that uh, what's appealing about uh, the kind of art that I do or the kind of art that I think you're referring to is that, you know, with a lot of paintings, you get typical uh, realist. You know, photorealism is, is something that you could just see anywhere. And I think right. the artistic eye, that arcane eye that can go to that certain place uh, and allow you to travel to the other world right. is probably the same reason why film buffs love Blade Runner or they love aliens. You know, Sydney did aliens and, um, I mean, it did Blade Runner. Yeah, which was phenomenal. Uh, you know, Giger did Aliens, and so these are, these are the artists behind these movies that made it so great because it's the visual perception that brings you to that other dimension, which you can only go to in dreams, right, or nightmares. Well, <laughs> yours don't yours don't feel like nightmares. They feel like, especially your jazz stuff, which you know I love that one yeah. of the bass player. I was just like, I want to be there. Yeah. But you, you said I'm going to quote you a lot because okay. uh, the reels are running. <laughs> uh oh. No, no, no. When you talk, the, yeah. I'm, I'm paying attention because you were talking about how caricature exaggeration. Like I go to the boardwalk. We mm. can go to Santa Monica right now. Someone would draw me. They'd probably get my moles and my big mouth. You know what I mean? Huge. No, sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> Please feel free to shit on me. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just, it was, it, I was editorializing. No, it's a huge fucking mouth. No. Big, old, big old teeth. Hello. Yeah, big teeth. Not look, a... look at these lips. These are, these are some DSL. Dick sucking. <laughs> That's TMI for the DSL. DSL is almost always TMI. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. uh, but I got that. So if I were to draw a caricature of me, I yeah. would, you'd get, you got to get the lips. The barrel of the mouth. You have a big barrel of the mouth. Big barrel of the mouth. See this? But Okay, so you're talking about there's a formula to caricature. Absolutely. But then, and I love when you refer to yourself, you go, I'm going to booaize this. Booify. Booify, sorry. Right. You're going to pick the thing that's interesting to you. And mm-hmm. this, this is where the interpretation comes, and this is where the artist is. And you're going to exaggerate something that maybe. Whoa! Your keys are possessed. <laughs> I know they're moving. You're gonna uh, you're gonna exaggerate something that that catches your eye. Something on a gut level, you're gonna go. For some reason, I'm gonna make this eye a little bit bigger. I'm gonna make this part of the hand a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff that makes what you do what you do, as opposed to learning how to just do straight caricature. Yeah, because you can go. There's a there's definitely a formula to caricature. You see it on Venice Boardwalk. You see it at uh, Great Adventure. You sure. see it. At, you see it at Disneyland. Uh, there's a million guys who can do it. And you know what? Some of them are good. Some of them are horrible. Yeah. Uh, but most of them know a formula. And I think at the end of the day, you really have to find what's interesting to you. What features you feel pull out. I mean, Rembrandt was the greatest of all time. And I can't say he was a caricature artist, obviously, but he was able to kind of reach deep into the soul of a human being and pull it out and put it up onto canvas. Okay. So that that's a really interesting thing because we don't know if those people look like that. Yep. I mean, he certainly interpreted the worst kind of horrible qualities of some people. Right. Nightwatch was clearly very famous because he made all these uh, aristocrats and people look like uh, they were drunken, sickly bad people Mm -hmm. and he painted badness onto their faces and he he painted redness into the noses and he painted uh, bulbous noses with acne yeah and uh you could see the pores of their skin and these people are gone yeah they're all gone and i think a lot of people are there but yet they remain forever Uh, but they remain in the way that he saw them What, what what you're saying i think if i'm hearing you is that we don't have photographs we can't see how he was exaggerating them but we know he was because those people don't exist. Yeah, I mean, he was he, 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 he was humanizing them, though, and making them 
real and, and what they were. And I think that's what I do with my caricature. I don't exaggerate in a formulaic way. I humanize people. I make them more. There's a great uh, caricature artist. Your 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 fan, your uh, your, your fans probably know who he is. His name is Sebastian Kruger. He's German. K R U G E R. Mm. And Kruger's really he does a lot of the Rolling Stones. He caricatures the Rolling Stones. He's really great at isolating certain things that look more like the person than they actually look like themselves. Yeah. So like when you see Mick Jagger, like a is photo of Mick Jagger. Is this a lot of colors? Like it's in a bunch of different colors? No. Uh, he, he, you could look at his work. He does everybody, but the Stones. I mean, then, you know, there's David Levine. There's Al Hirschfeld. There's historically Daumier, Doré, many, many caricature mm-hmm. artists who are phenomenal. So for me, I just take kind of the spirit of somebody and kind of push the envelope with that. Like when I was drawing my, my assistant Manny yesterday, he's got the chicken... Uh, haircut who looks you know he looks like a m- rock and roller with a mullet yeah and he's like you know got the mexican waterfall the kentucky waterfall going on <laughs> he's got uh an incredibly long regal nose yeah yeah you said he looked like a prince who is not kind to his people right he looked like a prince who was not <laughs> kind to his people and, and you know what he does right no and and he had these kind of wet glassy eyes uh one eye seemed bigger than the other and most people's eyes are different sizes uh, most women's breasts are different sizes, as you've cupped many breasts in your or breastesses. You know what I'm saying? Well, in your day, we'll get to you being from New York. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, so when you see the different breasts and you see the different eyesight, and you just breastesses. see. There, there's these little differences that uh, are intriguing and fascinating, and that's what you have to pull out. The soul. The soul. If the art, if art's job, music can stir something that we can't quite put our finger on. Looking at a painting can often stir something. Can can resonate with that hum that isn't really a, the sum of your parts, but there's something behind the sum of your parts. Yeah. That's what an artist is doing. We, I know what art does, but here I'm talking to an artist. You're try, you are reaching in and finding that ethereal thing that's off the books. You are a pancreas. You are a liver. You are two lungs. You have one eye that's bigger than the other. Your face is 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 not lopsided, but you know what I mean? It favors this side or it favors that side. Your hairline is here. Your shoulders are here. But then you're going, but when I do you this way, don't you feel a little bit more than just a pulse? Yeah, and here's some amazing things about portraiture. It's really portraiture, great portraiture. Uh, John Singer Sargent was one of the great report, great portrait artists of all time. If you don't know him, you, you're, if you, people out there don't know him, you've got to look him up because he was a wonderful impressionist, an American painter who lived in Europe, and he was just a phenom. And he said, every time I paint a portrait, I lose a friend. Ha, that's funny. And he, he was that good, though. He was one of those guys that could paint you in like seven brushstrokes, and it looked just like you, like yeah. realistically oil painting like you. He did Madame X, that great painting, Madame X. Um, but... But the, the people didn't like it. Of course, because nobody likes to see how they're interpreted. Nobody. It's like when people shoot a photo, oh, I don't like that. But it's even more with art because it's so personal. Yeah. So sometimes an artist captures something in someone that people don't like in themselves, and then they go, oh, that doesn't look like me. Imagine doing that for a king that could behead you. I mean, that's Right, that's and that was the danger of people like Goya and Velasquez, who were court painters, who were doing the aristocracy. Mm. And luckily, they were beloved. But if they if they weren't, uh, there would be a lot of problems. I, lo- I love that part in Inglorious Bastards where someone's painting Hitler. And the <laughs> casting is really funny. They cast a really, really small, you know, cremated, like, ter- like not 
athletic person, uh, but the pa- the portrait looks like uh, Captain America. Of course. You know yeah, I, mean? I mean, everybody wants to be glorified, idealized. Uh, Rembrandt painted Adam and Eve with cellulite, hair, acne. Mm. He humanized them. People were offended by that. It sounds like Crumb, you know, the way. Yeah, that, Crumb, uh, too. Yeah. You know, Crumb is a Robert Crumb, a great comic book artist. He was a person who really. You know, he obviously he's he's a gross exaggerator, uh, mm-hmm. probably as in as he is in his disturbed life, but he really paints people in a very or paints them not literally with oil or acrylic, but draws them yeah. in a way that is less than aesthetically beautiful. Yeah, and I think artists like Crumb, uh, like Katie Colwitz, uh, like Rembrandt, uh, like Halls, Franz Halls. We're able to see stuff and then almost see stuff that we normally can't see. That's what makes him an artist. And then you get artists like Sargent, who you think is so beautiful. He paints women and glorifies everyone. And yet he says, every time I paint a portrait, I lose a friend. friend. And that's probably because what, what Picasso said, which is art is a lie that makes us see the truth. Oh, wow. Fucking A. You've gotten two fucking A's. That's a new record. <laughs> we, we just wrap it up now. It's the yeah. highest rated episode yeah, yeah, of all time. Right. And that's a wrap, guys. Let me, let me, let me put this to you. Uh, okay, so I actually remember uh, one time me, I used to draw my friend's cartoons of my, of my friends, and we were making a board game, and my friend drew a cartoon of me, and he drew me in like the least flattering way ever, mm-hmm. and it really... It bo- it hurt my feelings in, in such a huge way. I don't even like when I take a, f- a selfie or something, uh, and you're looking at the camera, and then you and you click it, and then it flips it. Oh, it's the worst. You know what I mean? I hate every photo of me. But you, I wish you would it's just keep it the reverse image because yeah. that's the me I know. I know mirror me. Right. You, Bua, know me. That's I know you more than you know crazy. yourself. Yeah. Fucking crazy. <laughs> I know fake me. I know mirror me. I think my hair is parted over here. You think it's parted over there. You know what I mean? I, it, it's it, it's just literally a, is parted here. Right, yeah. It's a mess today. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, though. It looks good. Good shape. See, I think that, I think that everything in shapes. Oh, yeah, sure. Let, let, let me put this to you because one of the things – first of all, I, I got the feeling there's something sensual going on with mm-hmm. art, yeah. with attention being paid. I'm going to bring it into the comedian world. A good comedian hopefully is paying very close attention to his audience. He's right. hearing the sounds they're making and he's altering and he's changing. Mm-hmm. You're looking at somebody and you, you get that feeling of someone watching you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you were drawing Manny, he was getting that feeling. You were talking about ants. Mm-hmm. Your line should be like ants crawling. Uh, that's how slow yeah. you should be going and <laughs> feeling it. Mm-hmm. But he's feeling that too. So there's that sort of, there's an intimacy there. This, <laughs> yeah. is, a, this is a long way to say, what is your experience with drawing lovers? <laughs> you have to have done it. You know, it's really funny. <laughs> let me let me let me backtrack. Yeah, I have done it. Um let me backtrack and say, you know, in early Greece they were drawing uh there was a group of artists that were drawing people uh and they would be able to predict when they would die. Shut your mouth every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, they would be able to predict <laughs> when they would die by their drawing so people would go to them. Would you write that down so I can crumple it up and throw it into a volcano? <laughs> I don't want that to be true. <laughs> this is all real, and it will happen to you if I draw either one of you guys in the room. <laughs> it just got but, creepy. Uh, yeah, but but they were able to, and apparently it was pretty accurate when how uh, that they would say, "Okay, well, I, I've drawn you, and you know, I've gotten. I get, you know, it's one of those things where they've captured their soul, their essence, their spirit. They've, right? They've kind of reached into the darkness." Uh, unloaded all the catalogs of the other person's being mm. and then kind of downloaded it and said, 
you know, you're going to be dead in 10 years or you're going to die in three years or you're going to live a really long life. And they were able to predict that uh, with, with a lot of accuracy. This is what this is what I've read about in terms of a lot of the early uh, it's really Greek, interesting. Greek artists. It's almost like assessing someone's cellular age, you know what I mean, as opposed yeah. to their literal age. And people, and you could probably do it like somebody like a David Wolf. Don't hate me, Pete Holmes fans. Right? Ah. <laughs> but no, but like somebody like David Wolf could probably like figure that out on just like basing on how much do you exercise, what do you eat, well, what are your genetics. Somebody like, like uh, it's a fictional person, but I always think of Warren Schmidt, the movie about Schmidt. He's yeah. in, he's a he provides health uh, policies. How am I losing these terms? No, no, no. Don't don't Google it. I'm just you know he sells health insurance. <laughs> But uh-huh. life insurance. Life insurance. And okay. and he's like, statistically, when his wife dies, spoiler, he's like, I know with my income where I live and my age and my health history, mm-hmm. I have a 99% chance of living four more years. Right. Exactly. Fucking crazy. Right. But you're... No, I just feel like somebody like David Wolf could figure that out, like in terms of uh, taking a bunch of data and stats, and probably just figure that out. But the you know the interesting thing is the artist could figure out with with their. Uh, with just looking into the soul that, of another person. It's that close attention being paid that we're all craving. Yeah. I think if you, if people were being honest with themselves, mm. everybody wants to be painted, I think. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing pickup line. It's a, <laughs> and it's the best way. Like, I hey, have to you know, paint you. Yeah. Well, especially if they know, Oh boo, I love your work. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, I really want to paint you one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting looking. You're just not normal look. It's not the average yep. beauty. It's different. It's something but that, different. But that, that sounds – I know we're kind of joking around that that's a line, but it's yeah. also not a line. And it's no, also it's true. Yeah I, find, yeah, I find myself compelled to draw and paint uh, interesting looking people. I, I'm not very good at drawing classical beauties like – uh, like I go back to Sargent or Loomis, some of the early illustrators like Liondecker and uh, Norman Rockwell and uh, ha- you know Howard Pyle. Or uh, I'm not really able to. I mean, I can if I really kind of work hard at it. And I've like getting back to your girlfriend. You know, I've drawn my I've drawn my girlfriends all the time. My current girlfriend is just, she doesn't like me to draw her because it's never right. It doesn't look like me. And I did a great portrait of her, which is kind of really crazy eyed. And the, her parents love it, but everybody else, she and everybody she loves it, like and it. she hates it. She's like, it doesn't look like me. I was like, it looks just this, like you. That's this is me. what you look like. <laughs> this you, is exactly what you look like. You more, yeah. you look more like that than you think you do. Mm. Um, but she hates it. So, and my last, uh, my wife, my ex-wife, uh, she was Japanese, and I used to draw her like a giant uh, Japanese pig with moles. It was just like I just really kind of dialed into this cool cartoony. Is this true? Yeah. No bit. No bit. No, this is like, you know, it's a bit. No. I mean, even like, I even taught my daughter how to do it of her mom. And it was like, you know, two kind of slanty eyes and two nose holes and a bunch of moles and kind of a round mouth. And she just kind of like, it was like a cartoon caricature. Right. I would just do it all the time. Then I wound up doing horrible caricatures of myself, like giant buggy eyes with giant lips and kind of a shitty goatee. Yeah. And a mop of hair uh, and, you know. I was smoking a joint back then, you know, because I used to do that a lot. So it was like I would always do like her and I caricatures, and, yeah. they, were, and they were horrible. And even I made myself look horrible. Yeah. My, my current girlfriend, I never make look horrible. I always try to get her and capture her, um, her beauty, but I, I just don't find it's possible. But there, so in your experience, there is some okay, sex mm-hmm. and art, and I, you know, I, I'm always comparing comedy and sex, but I think okay. there's something about that. You're holding your breath. 
and you're taking somebody in. There's there's mm-hmm. a meditation to it, mm-hmm. and there's a there's an attention being paid to somebody that honestly has to make their their heart rate increase. You know what I mean? A little yeah. bit. Yeah, I, I, I know you can yeah. be calm while you're being painted, but it's sure. like we're all going around. We're all wishing on some level that people would see us. I've said before that everybody secretly wants to be uh, profiled by NPR. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like Bua is surprisingly, you know, sloppy for such a clean painting. You know, like right, right. talking about what you, how you eat, how you hold your fork, right. how you are with your daughter, and all this sort of stuff. Right. People just want to be seen. Yeah. So here comes the artist, and specifically the portrait painter, and he's like literally doing that. It's a service to the person. And then when we see that, we see different truths in that, even if it's not you. Yeah, that's all true. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it, it goes so deep. It, it, you know, it goes so deep, and that, that's why you talk about the surrealism. It goes to that other place, yeah, where it's it's in, it's intangible. Art is our first uh, mode of communication. Uh, before we're uh, communicating, we we can draw. Before we're able articulate dialecticians, we're able articulate visual. You know, able to create visualizations that are able and articulate that are beyond anything imaginable. Yes. It's something that, uh, like fighting, uh, it can it can translate in any language. Mm-hmm. You don't need a language. You could just look at a painting and everybody could take it in a different language. Or watch a fight. Yeah, it's not like comedy, right? So comedies don't do well overseas and horror flicks do. Right. Because it's all death, destruction. Everybody can relate to that. Fighting. Raid Redemption. And, yeah, right. Great movie. Yeah. But art, same thing. Mm-hmm. Art translates. Uh, it f- the format rights of art are very... <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, don't, don't, don't worry about... That's, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I understand that we're kind of in that sort of talky, heady area. Yeah, no, but it's it's interesting because it can, you can really uh, communicate a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of those child psychologists who get into the psyche of a kid when there's problems because they can't verbalize it. And so many good TV shows will use that as a device where it's like, this is what your kid drew in art right. class. They, <laughs> right. they did that in Mad Men, oh. uh, where Sally uh, actually is... Uh, Billy? Got him. Bobby. Bobby Draper <laughs> draws a whale with like three arrows in it, and there's blood and all this oh, sort of stuff. Oh, I remember it. that. And yeah. she's like, you drew this? And you think the modern the mother... Mom, yeah. The modern mother would be like, let's, t- let's have a talk. Are you right. okay? She's just like, it's very good. <laughs> like, which right, is right, interesting. Right. But th- that, stuff it, yeah. <laughs> stuff it down your unconscious, you yeah, yeah. Prick, and then eat the stick of butter, yeah. But then, uh, oh, what was I just going to say? Castor oil. What? So that's the inclusiveness of art: is mm-hmm. that anybody can see it. We can take your art to Thailand, and they will appreciate it. They mm-hmm. will go. There's a human face, and I like this, and it speaks to me, and it moves me. But then, what is so exclusive, excluding about art? Because we were talking about that a little bit when I saw you on Saturday. Was that like? Uh, when you bring up art and when people like you and I want to talk about our favorite artists, sometimes people shrivel up a little bit. They get a little bit defensive. They can feel left out. They can feel like a little inferior. Or if you're looking at a painting and you know nothing about it and somebody is telling you that this painting makes them cry and you're looking at it and you're like, well, I guess I'm a piece of shit or, or right. something. Or right. they're a liar. This is why people get so mad about modern art. Right. Uh, but even like you know, pop art or conventional art or just more traditional art can still leave people feeling upset. And you said something interesting where you were like, well, we all draw. We all started drawing. And there might be a little bit of heartache when you see art and you're like, oh, I miss my friend. <laughs> yeah, I think you said that. I think that you said that there was heartache when I said that, you know, in terms of because it's everybody has at some point in their life kind of fallen in love with art 
Mm-hmm. And you can't really say that about every other thing, right? Not everyone has fallen in love with film. Not everybody has fallen in love with comedy. I mean, but everyone as a child, not everyone, but, you know, 95% of the population has fallen in love with an art. Of the know? earth. Of the earth, yeah. It's no, just... they're not handing out ukuleles. No, exactly. They're handing out crayons. Yeah, exactly. Every single kid at a restaurant gets a crayon yeah. with their lemonade. I mean, it's just... And they love and it. And a coloring book when they're kids. You know, that everybody has done it. And so when you get back into it, there's such a revulsion internally with people who, like, take class with me sometimes. They're like, oh, I suck so bad. Like, there's a girl yesterday, I'm not going to mention her name, Susan. <laughs> Shit, did I say that? <laughs> So Susan, oh, uh, Susan was just so down on herself. She's like, I suck. I'm terrible. We were doing the Stravinsky exercise where you take Picasso's drawing of Stravinsky and you draw it right side up. And you have 20 minutes. And then you flip it upside down and you draw it because all of a sudden it's not a head with glasses and hands and a, and a figure in a chair. It's just shapes. Yep. So when you draw shapes, you draw, you're basically don't know what you're drawing. Yep. Because... You're, because you can't name it. And when you can't name it, you draw better because the right hemisphere of the brain is the is the side that draws. So when you can't name it, and all of a sudden she was doing great on both exercises, especially that right, uh, right mode uh, drawing. And she was just like, I suck. I'm terrible. She was so down on herself. And mm-hmm. she was like, and I was like, you're doing such an amazing job. When is the last time you drew? And she's like, not till, I, not since I was a kid, but it was, I've missed it, but I don't know. Maybe I should start again. I was like, right. whoa, it was just, Everyone has a heaviness that they bring into drawing, uh, whether they're professional artists or not. I still have a heaviness when I draw, too, because you're basically facing your demons. Hmm. What do you mean? Uh, because, think about it. It's very daunting to be in front of a blank canvas. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this two-dimensional surface, which is literally a blank canvas, hmm. and I'm going to create a piece of art. And when I do create a piece of art, eventually... If it gets out there into the universe, people are going to look at it and people are going to judge me. Because if it's good art or if it doesn't matter, it's your art. And if it's true art, I should say, if it's true art, then people are going to be judging the deepest part of you that they could possibly judge. Hmm. Because your art is more you than you are yourself. Fucking A. Free podcast. Yeah, it's free, right? It's a free show. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I, I wouldn't pay for this shit. <laughs> so you, you go there's the vulnerability there. Yeah, it's just it's so completely exposing. If you're giving yourself your real shit. Yep. Um that's why if I may, just to just to keep us on okay. the same page, when you start doing more autobiographical stuff, or the first time I talked about my wife leaving me. Uh, right. did, did you know I was married? We talked yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, one yeah, time, a little one bit. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that one time. Uh just anything that's vulnerable. If you bomb uh telling here's an old joke of mine, I was like I saw on an ice pack that said a bittering agent has been added to the contents to discourage consumption. That means before the ice pack was too delicious, who gives a <laughs> shit? It's not good. Even right, right. even in the early 2000s, I knew that wasn't good. Well, he just lost me at the uh, the bitter or something. Yeah, bittering like, agent. What happened? A bittering agent has okay. been added. To, see, I still remember it. Right, it yeah, that, yeah, 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 that's interesting. It was wrote uh, because I had to memorize it. I'm rehearsing right, right. it. That fucking ice pack joke, which is, which is pretty bad, uh, bombs, who gives a shit? But if you go up, and you're showing your dick and your heart and your soul and your fat and your hair. You like, I mean your hair falling out or your fingernails cracking or your ass smelling or whatever it is. If they hate that, if they reject you, that's a worse bomb, which is why 
there's there's a couple of schools of thought. One is some people just don't really want to do it, and I love the absurdists, the guys like Stephen Wright that don't necessarily feel the need to uh, read their diary on stage. Right. But then I think there's also some people that would like to, but uh, it takes – I'm one of them. It took me 10 years. took me over 10 years before I started to be like, here's what I really give a shit about. Mm-hmm. Over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's because you put that stuff on the canvas, people are going to see it. And even though we all want to be seen, we want to be seen in the way that we want to be well, seen. We want to be seen right away. I mean, the second I finish a painting, it's on Instagram or it's on Facebook. Oh, yeah. It's on, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, I, I sell posters. It's everywhere. So, yeah. You've uh, gotten over that, though. But you're very good. Well, no. It's also <laughs> like, no, I, you know, and you, you, you get criticism. I mean, it's inevitable, especially when you go out of your lane. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you're on the Pete Holmes show and motherfuckers are criticizing you. But sure. when you're in your lane... Just don't talk about Ormus. Okay. <laughs> hey, I hate Ormus. <laughs> you, you don't use Ormus. I no, asked you one. I don't, actually. <laughs> well, what about the inner critic? Uh, the inner critic never ends. A good artist is always very self-critical, in my opinion. Well, I've met artists that are incredibly, uh, incredibly self-centered in terms of, like, I, I don't think that they'd ever think that they did a bad work. But I don't think that there are many. I think most artists are very critical. Michelangelo threw out 80% of his library. No way. Yeah. Yeah, cool. he threw it out. I mean, he threw it in the garbage. Threw it in the garbage. you never even seen half his work. Um, Over ma- half his work? Yeah. Holy fuck. Drawings, drawings. Drawing. Yeah. yeah, obviously the other frescoes live on ceilings and walls. and Sure. Um, Hard to his, throw. His, yeah, his marble's still around. Yeah. But no, he threw, he threw a lot of stuff out. He, uh, Leonardo as well, <laughs> but more Michelangelo. So I, a lot of people are very critical. Uh, I, I'm very critical of my work because I know where I should be and where I am. And you have to be a, an eternal student of the game. Uh, you have to be a student of art. And anything that I do gets me better. And, you know, every time that I know that I haven't arrived, it, it makes me better. It makes me grow. Because yeah. there's no ceiling in art. I mean, Michelangelo was uh, 81. He said, I'm just beginning to learn how to draw. Hmm. That's fucking crazy. So, you know, that's like, you know, what? And Michael Jordan was, you know, 34 when he said, I'm just getting the matrix of, of basketball. Like, hmm. It takes you that long to start figuring out because... You know, with with drawing and painting, you're dealing with light, value, color, harmony, hue, saturation, tone, uh, edge, atmosphere, you know, and the light logic. Uh, You know, the list goes on and on and on. So you can never, ever, ever be great at everything. And you you can only – and then you get into style and creativity and, you know – uh, composition and design. I mean, you could just work on composition and design your entire life, and, right. and you'll only hit a certain level. I remember you going over all that stuff and and the stuff that you can be good at to be a real draftsman. Mm-hmm. And I heard, I had this inner voice in me that was like, I just want what I really wanted to do when I was watching you masterfully line out eight dots and then you know what i mean just like yes. learning to masterfully play. line out eight well, dots you, well, you, that was uh well it ended up being pretty difficult my, yeah oh well, yeah it was difficult my it's eight dots sucked yeah it's like on the cosby show where they talk about if you want to learn how to be a jazz drummer you have to go like this all day mm-hmm. all day. so mm-hmm. you're doing these dots and you're talking eight, eight dots equidistant across eight dots equidistant down eight dots across until you have 64 dots or right. something, right, all lined up, and then you have to draw a straight line to connect each one. And to show how goofy your dots are. And, yeah, to show that your dots are not equidistant after right. you do it that long and the amount of concentration it takes because that's what drawing is. Right. But I had a real urge. So here you are telling me that the 
uh, ahead is an upside down egg, mm-hmm. and the halfway <laughs> down point is the eyes, mm-hmm. and then halfway from that is the is the nose, bottom of the nose, bottom right. of the nose, and halfway to that is the mouth, mm-hmm. and this. Beautiful. Everybody, I, I mean, everybody was thinking the same thing. Where I was like, "This motherfucker's example is." Oh, you mean my drawing? Your drawing is tremendous. You're Thank drawing you. this amazing guy. <laughs> we're all just kind of. I didn't feel uh, a lot of your students were expressing some sort of like, "Oh, I could never do that." But I am a fountain of green lights for okay. myself. <laughs> Good. And my urge was to go. All I want to do is go home. And paint sloppy as fuck and stupid as fuck, almost in like a cartoony style, which is how I do like to paint. Uh, not not in rebellion, but in just kind of like there's also this side that I know you have as well. Mm-hmm. You have the technical side, mm-hmm. and then you also have the fuck it, let's put some paint on some on some canvas side. Yeah. The child that wants to play, mm-hmm. like your like your daughter, you want to put your hands in some paint and mush it around. You have both. Yeah. The first part's incredibly impressive, and that is what will make you really great and what will make me always just the, the kindergarten guy well i think i think you have to have, i think as an artist you have to have both i think that uh you know uh you, you for me it's important to understand the technical of the, the faculty of of the basics of drawing you know gesture value color light all of that stuff is very important uh because in the end it makes you a more able articulate dialectician for your creative stuff mm. because the more vocabulary if you imagine you're a comedian uh, imagine if you only knew twenty words. Yeah, you know that's like you go on stage. You you could be funny, right? But you'd be if the words re- are boner, right? Yeah, you'd be you'd probably choose fuck <laughs> boner shit pussy. You know, you could you could kill in certain circuits. Yeah, you'd kill in certain circuits, but you'd really you'd have a limited vocabulary, and eventually yeah. you'd be a, you'd be a stock a stock guy. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, and and but that's beautiful. You're you're just keep going. But and that's how I'm a lot just loving of it. that's how a lot of comic book artists can be. There's a lot of great comic book artists, but there's a lot of comic book artists who do stock stuff because they don't draw enough from life, so they have a vocabulary of like 30 stock poses for their superheroes. Mm. And they do the same ones all the time. Now think about how much better those superheroes would be if they had more poses. But they don't have more poses because some people just refuse to draw from life because it's not part of their vo- – because they don't find it – it's important. So when I do all my crazy erotic drawings, when I do all my crazy wacky shit out of my imagination, which I have a lot of and it's really weird shit and I usually don't even show it. But I could at least draw from my vocabulary of information because I've drawn 6 million hands and 7,000 heads and 1 mm-hmm. million portraits. Mm-hmm. More, more arrows in your, in your qui- quiver? Quiver, yeah. That's yeah, what you call uh, yeah. So it's you just, more ammunition. My 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 teacher Harry Carmian, he was a great draftsman. Once told me, uh, drawing should be. Uh, what did he say? What the fuck did he say? He said, drawing should be uh, based on choice, not limitation. Uh, you can play one part of the keyboard. Yep. But that should be based on choice, not limitation. Right. You should be able to play the entire fucking keyboard. Right. Right? So don't limit yourself down here to the dee 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 You That's should be able to play the whole thing. It's really fascinating because sometimes I'll have an idea for a painting and it's like not something I could do. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I, I can – I paint like I draw. I don't even consider it a painting. And then I have to think – Okay, that would be good mm-hmm. if it's like four or five colors mm-hmm. and then black, almost like a Japanese script, yep. if I can do an outline over it. But if, it's do- if it wouldn't look good like that, I can't do it. I'm playing two keys. <laughs> You're playing two keys. And, and here's the reality, though. Most people are. Yeah. A lot of great artists are even doing that, or mm. good artists, not great artists. But 
uh, there was a point in my life where I was playing two keys and I said to myself, I got to play the whole spectrum. I know that it's important. I'm trying to avoid it. I can't avoid it anymore. Mm. Uh, let's get into it. And I knew that it was going to be going to a dark place. So I got into it and I got deep into it. How was it dark? I, because it's learning pain. Because pain, yeah, pain. Drawing is very painful to learn. It's one of the most painful, horrible experiences. You face your demons, you face yourself, you get angry, you punch canvases. I mean, I did. You know, I got very frustrating. It's very frustrating not to be good at something. That sucks, right? You know that feeling. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a good feeling not to be great. And I have that kind of personality. We all want to be good. One we of do. The, I think that's one of the most dis, uh, disempowering things in my life is like, would you like to uh, try jousting? Yeah, but I want to be good at it. Right. Everyone's <laughs> like, hey, let's go skiing. I'm like, no. They're like, why? Because I'm not good at it. Right. Well, you should learn. I don't want to learn. I know how it is to learn. Yeah. If I'm going to learn something, I'm going to learn something and be great at it. You That's why when I was I was a professional break dancer for years and I got I was great at it. I yeah. was a professional ping pong player and I was great at it. Oh wow. So I was like everything that I do I want to be great at. And, and like I, I remember skateboarding in my neighborhood on the upper west side of New York City and all my friends like that were in the skateboard scene and I I did it like, you know, 10 20 times and I was like, okay, here's the part where I'm going to start getting good and, and they were already at a certain level and I was like, fuck this. Yeah. Because I knew I'm, I'm, I'm a quitter. I am an absolute quitter. And I will quit if I can't get good at something. Because of your ego. Because of my ego. And because I know, I know the amount of discipline and work and time that you have to devote to getting good at something. Right. And I will not do it if I can't get really good at it. I think. So I, I will fucking quit. You'll, yeah, you want to learn. <laughs> I've quit so much in my life. But you want to learn the fuck out of it. It's like you you want yeah. you want to find your soulmate. You don't want to just go on a bunch of uh, Tinder dates, right? I mean, I think. Well, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, no, I I think that uh, <laughs> I have to paint you. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that there's there's certain things like you know French. I I I, I didn't just study French. Studied French in high school, and then I did like intensive French at school. And then I lived in Switzerland for a year. And then I, you know, only spoke French for an entire year, submerged my entire brain into the language. I was like, I'm going to be really good at it. And I see myself kind of dabbling sometimes with something. And I'm like, oh, God, that's a lot of work. You you hit that point where it's fun. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that's fun. That's cool. I can go like, I can do this. I don't know what it had been. Like, I went to the roller skating rink with my daughter like 10 times in a row. It was like really fun. And I was like, I was hitting that level where... You know, I had a couple of eight-year-olds like skating around me backwards and shit. And I was like, I used to skate as a kid too. So I had kind of a natural, you know, I'm 46. So I was like, well, you know, how natural can you be? Motherfuckers are doing splits and skating. You know what I mean? Like doing the disco shit with the backpack and the headband and the short shorts with the nice legs. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm next to them with my spindly shitty legs. And I'm just like, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Because the next level is going to be like, I'm going to kind of like, hit a ceiling and then I'm going to go lateral for a while. Yep. And then I'm going to either get better, but I got to put a lot more work into it. And that's going to involve a lot of stuff because it's expensive to go there every time with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And then I got to rent. So am I going to buy my shoes now? Mm -hmm. Like I started getting into a whole, like you got to get into the world. Like I'm going to have to buy skates and get into like what kind of skates and do that whole thing. Or buy paint and buy canvases and all this shit. Yeah. It's the same shit. So it's like you hit that level and you go, I'm either going to do this or not. Right. And you know... And I, I decided not because I'm a quitter. Well, I, you're also... <laughs> you, you're a quitter, but you, there's only... How many Thank things... Thank you. 
<laughs> sounds horrible when you, it sounds funny when I say yeah. it. Like I'm not really a quitter, but when you said it, I was like, wow, I am a quitter. Ah, uh, no, I didn't mean it that way. No, no, we're, okay. we're all we're, we're all quitting different things. Mm-hmm. We're all quitting, but it's because you're realizing you hit that plateau. I like what you said, where it's like I now know that I'm going to have to put in double as much time as I have yes. to climb one more notch. You climb six quickly. And then yeah. to get one more, you got to put yeah, in. Yeah, because you're so time. bad that you feel you're good when you get to it like a right. below intermediate level. Yep, that's right. And you're like, oh, I'm faster than that 60 year old bitch right there. You know, like boom, yeah, ah, yeah, ah, boom, ah. <laughs> and then there's a stupid ass like, you know, 15 year old who keeps falling. Yeah, he's like 800 pounds. You're like, you fucking yeah, suck. And yeah. you're like, boom, ah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, there's that eight year old going backwards. You're like, boom, you're like, oh shit, I suck. And that's when you hang him up. Yeah, and then go home and yeah, ah. It's yeah, and then and oh, and then they do the whole thing in the circle. Okay, everybody, get out. We're gonna do a circle. Da, da, da. I don't like and that. And then the, no, and then you're like, oh, then I'm not gonna be that guy. No, I'm not going in that mm-hmm. circle. Not right now. No, no. I'm not not ready for the circle. I'm not so, ready for the yeah. circle. Well, that that's actually it's funny. That's one of the panics is people are like, there's gonna be some sort of circle thing. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. I did been in so many dance classes. My samba teacher, which I got very good at, because I danced samba for many years. But so you can paint. Uh, women and dance uh, me and samba with them. I can I could I can comfortably say I could dance a fucking amazing samba. Ugh. I'm one of the better samba motherfuckers you'll ever see, and my teacher is beyond the best ever, Francini. She is just beyond. She's crazy. Her body is bananas. <laughs> It's like sickening. I just pictured a I, woman made a banana. I want to punch myself in the face when I see her body. Really? She, she's just in such good shape. She's like one of those. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about um, art for everyone to okay. kind of put a, cap, uh, a pin in it because we have so many things we can talk okay, about and so many things course. that I'd like to talk about. Okay. But uh, to discuss art, one of the things that is exciting about uh, meeting you and getting to know you and stuff is that it's bringing the value of creating art uh, into my life, and I like drawing, and I like I said, I'm, I like painting somewhat badly. Um, and then you were teaching me just over text. I was like, oh, I just did, at work, I did a self portrait just because I was bored. And you were like, uh, do it with your left hand. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, not o- this is the quick way, almost like a life hack, to get into my right brain, to give yep. my left brain a break. Right. I'm all left brain all day. Which is, which is just for your, your viewership here. It's, it's verbal. Yeah. Your left brain is, is verbal. Uh, your left brain wants to label everything. Your left brain needs a label for everything. If it doesn't have a label, it goes crazy. Yep. Your right hemisphere is the part of your brain that drives, that deals with space, quick spatial relationships. It has a feeling of timelessness. Uh, it doesn't understand time. Mm. And it is, uh, uh, it's that feeling when you kind of get lost, like mm-hmm. when you feel like you're stoned or you zone out because you're, you're zoning out because you're actually, t- you turned for whatever reason, you've turned your left hemisphere off and you've turned your right on. And you do that by exhausting the left because the yeah, the left can be very Jewishy and Yiddishy and once you like say draw the negative shape and then ne- and you can't label the negative shape because it's like it's it, it feels like I, you know it feels uh, uh, <laughs> and then your right's on yeah it's like that and you want to do that see that is so fascinating to me left all day left all day left all day talking thinking writing mm-hmm. talking thinking writing talking thinking writing Bua comes along and goes draw with your draw with your left hand mm-hmm. I go all right we're all in for something horrible in about five minutes. <laughs> right. And then I get into – it's another way to uh, almost meditate. It's another way to reset. It's another way – you know, time does fly because you're just 
holding a pencil like it's the first time. Mm-hmm. So right there, you're you're teleporting back to your childhood, and mm-hmm. you're doing it from that part of your brain that is what you said to me was drawing what you're actually seeing instead of drawing your nose going, I know what a nose looks like. It's, triangle, it's a line. Yeah. It's a triangle and then a swoosh and there's a hole in it. Because as kids, we all have symbols and we learn to draw through symbols. It's called iconic drawing, uh, iconographic drawing. So we're drawing symbolically. We're not drawing what we see. Uh, very rare, every once in a while, you'll see a kid who's like, whoa, Jesus Christ, he's drawing from, you could just tell, he's like dialed into the right side of his brain. Mm-hmm. But 98% of the time, people are just drawing iconically. You see kids in school, they draw a circle for the head, two dots for the eyes, uh, a triangle, an upside down triangle uh, for the nose, a slit for the mouth, which is basically just a, a horizontal line. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, the arms are, are verticals and you know, horizontals and just lines. They're just yeah. lines. Yeah. Uh, a landscape, uh, a house is a, is a square with a triangle and always a chimney, which mm-hmm. will be a rectangle with smoke. Smoking, always smoking. Yeah, always smoking. Even in the daytime, yeah, yeah, they yeah. got a fire going. Yeah, it's just like, you know, there'll be sometimes a fence and, you know, you always see the same things because there's, a, some, there's something about, and you see it, you go back to cave painting in Lascaux, uh, France, and all of the cave paintings, uh, they're all symbolic. And then you go to Egypt, and you see all the hieroglyphics, and they're all symbolic. Uh, you go to Greece, and they're all symbolic. And historically, you've got all the symbolic drawing because it's an easy way of communicating. And ironically, I always say that the best artists would be aliens because they would come down here. They would not know that you're, you have an arm or a head, mm-hmm. and they would draw the shape. They would never draw the circle with two eyes because they don't have the iconic mm-hmm. identities built in. The symbology is not built into there. Something about human beings born looking around for years, then being able to have enough motor skills to grab a pencil and then start to use these things as identifiers mm-hmm. and communica- communi- communication. They're basically symbols of communication mm-hmm. early on. As we get older, we start to take those symbols of communication and continue to build upon them, which is, which is actually in a lot of ways reinforcing very bad habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, or... Oftentimes, we draw until we're five or six or eight or nine or 13, and we've taken that symbolic drawing. We've dropped it. All of a sudden, we're 30 again. We're 40. We pick up a pencil, and we continue on from there. The entire 20 years that we haven't drawn shows. You literally draw like you're 12. Hmm. It's the exact person you were. If you go back to where you're 12 and you sit next to that person that you were at 12 and you're 30, how old are you? 30, 35. 35-year-old self. Uh, and you draw, you guys will be doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. It's that it's like crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. So you see it even with good artists, and you see that if they haven't made that intentional shift, um, there's usually these 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 symbolic reinforced habits that they keep uh, creating. And that's one of the reasons why you taught yourself to draw with your left hand. You that, draw, you draw with your right naturally. I draw with my right naturally, uh, and then I have been drawing with my left for. About, I don't know, 18 years. See, that's who I want to talk to. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. There's people in this world that to experiment on their own brain and to explore their own creativity and to transform themselves into aliens that are better at art and that can negotiate with a negative space better than the voice you did. That, yeah. Because you do as you can do. <laughs> you know, and when you draw the, and it's funny because the, it, it, in Eastern tradition, it's very common. So like in, in the West, we don't have a name for it. Like we say, oh, you, you know, if you, if you take your hand and you make the okay symbol, mm-hmm. 
and you draw the negative shape in there. We don't have a name for that, but in 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 the East, it's like there's a name for all of that, hmm. for all of the space. It's where two edges meet, right? The air in your fingers, but it's also like the drawing is the undrawing. It's very Zen, right? It's mm-hmm. it's, it's very Tao Te Ching, um, but it's it's deep and it's profound in the way that you start to kind of get into uh, your brain. You start to you start to fire neural pathways that haven't been fired in a long time you start to make new you start to dig new roads it's like it's probably like the equivalent of like uh, lsd or you know some shit that just does that um, but it's a longer way to get yeah. there and, and a, a healthier way <laughs> and a natural way yeah in a natural well, way. it's funny that you say that because uh i'm i'm mildly obsessed with mushrooms and my experiences with them i haven't done them a bunch but i've done them five years in the past i'm sorry five times in the past five years can you do that and have a tv show yeah, I talk okay. about. It. I, okay. I asked Rachel oh. Maddow if she did mushrooms. Oh, how about that? I asked. I've asked almost everybody. It just doesn't always make it. Yeah. I've done mushrooms at Trip or Treat in Hampshire College in Massachusetts. Trip or Treat. It's called Trip or Treat. That's perfect. And I got so I was the Jewish side of me got so paranoid that I ran to the bathroom and I tried to throw up because I was like, I don't want to trip anymore. Uh, I've changed my mind. Oh. And my friend's like, no, no, you can't change your mind. Yeah. I was like, I'm changing my mind. I do not want to trip. And so, but I couldn't throw up and then I started tripping. I've done that. And that's the worst feeling. You're like, yeah. I don't feel good. Well, there's, there's a meditation to uh, just yeah. taking them where you have to be like, I... Yeah. I'm grateful for the experience that I'm about to yeah, undergo. That's, it's that's very, what it's I very love, hippie and stupid. And that's what I love about David Wolf is he has no fear for the frog poison or oh, the yeah, LSD, the ayahuasca, ayahuasca sure. none of that shit to me. Yeah, we talked about that. I'm so scared of all that shit, bro. It's like crazy. Just take a little bit. No. Never. It's in your water. I dosed I you. I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do that at all. In I fact, I don't think I need to at this point in my life. You I sure feel don't. Like I, I've been, I took mescaline in the South Bronx. There you go. With That's a bunch enough. of in the projects, that was amazing. Yeah, actually, I had a great time. I learned a lot. I smoke weed every day for seventeen years. Yeah. Every day, yeah, I learned a tremendous amount. And at a certain point, I just said, I don't really need drugs because I can actually get there with my drawing. Well, that's what I'm saying. In fact, I'm not endorsing uh, mushrooms necessarily in this instance because what I'm saying is, when if I asked you to draw this room. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, mm-hmm. and we're at the end of the thing, we're going to have a canvas where we can see everything that you can see. You know what I mean? It's going to mm-hmm. be a little bit warped, and we're going to see every detail of it that you can perceive. Mm-hmm. That is the feeling of mescaline. That is the feeling of mushrooms. That is the feeling of meditation. That is the feeling of transcendence. That's the feeling of uh, making love. And if it's, if it's done well, you know what I mean, right. with somebody that you care about. That sort of idea um, that these things that our brain will release when at gunpoint, mm-hmm. whether that be acid or mushrooms or mescaline or weed or whatever, can also be released through different means. Through disciplines, mm-hmm. and that's been that's been one of the uh, passions of my life ever since I did mushrooms. I was like, okay, my brain is interacting with something right now, but my brain is doing the heavy lifting. It's been given the chemical code to release certain things and have these hallucinations and these thoughts and these feelings. But that stuff is there. Yeah, naturally. It's there. Yeah, it's there. Naturally. Babies are tripping. Your daughter is very, you know, Trip. just watching her. She's kind of tripping. I know. I noticed that the other day. I was like, is she tripping? Yeah. Because she is. She had a lot of energy. She was raised vegan. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> She's exactly, got a lot exactly. of clean burning yeah, energy. Yeah. But uh, that sort of stuff, one of the goals of my life, and I think one of the goals of yours as an artist, 
is to be as fascinated with the world mm-hmm. as we should yeah. fucking be. Yeah. We've learned you want uh, what was it called? I- iconic uh, symbolic drawing, S- symbolic drawing, and symbolic iconic drawing. drawing. Yeah, yeah. We've learned that, and we've learned a lot of iconic. We've learned iconic conversations. Yep. We've learned iconic jobs. Yep. We've learned iconic love. We've learned iconic food. We've learned iconic entertainment and iconic music. Oh yeah. And we're longing to trip into something true, whether that's with a drug or, or, or with the discipline of your brain. See, you with your left hand experiment and all the different things you do. Sorry, drawing shit upside down, flipping it upside down, uh, exploring your brain, quieting yourself, punching canvases and all that sort of stuff is the same. It's another path up the same mountain of just kind of yearning for truth. Not a triangle is a nose, but a nose is a nose, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, and and there's something too, by the way, a triangle is a nose. There's some great... Great, great cartoonists whose tri- whose noses are triangles. Yeah, Berenstein Bears. It's a lowercase or it's an uppercase it, G in the ear. Yeah, it's that'll a, get you there. Yeah, it's an exercise. <laughs> that's it's an exercise. Drawing this way is an exercise for me to free myself up and liberate myself to then go into my more iconic stuff, mm-hmm. my more symbolic stuff. Because when you create out of your head, you create constructively. So you you create kind of symbolically uh, when you're doing that stuff out of your head. But those exercises to me. Uh, are are amazing and getting getting into two books, Nicolai's Natural Way to Draw, and Betty Edwards Drawing on the Left Side of Your Brain, mm-hmm. on the on the right side of your brain, by Betty Edwards. Those two books are important books in my life because those books are are good guides uh, to to really change the way you think. And eventually, hopefully, I will write a book about doing something with, phenomenal with my drawing with your left hand <laughs> with my left hand. <laughs> I just, I just love that. These, these are the conversations I want to be having. So one of the things that I think, while having utmost respect and reverence for your level of art, I also think there's something to be said about people empowering themselves by drawing more, mm-hmm. painting more, trying things more. Playing the piano badly is better than not playing it, even though you and I both agree that we like being good at things. Right. There's a benefit to be reaped. There, you could try and draw a room, and instead of letting that inner critic go, you suck, 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 say, shut up. It's not about the drawing. It's about me holding my breath spiritually and seeing this room as I see it in this moment. And, and I think – I'm just trying – I'm not trying to make this uh, the more you know. I'm just saying the people listening now, this isn't just a, a conversation about art. I think it's – Hopefully, an, uh, an awakening and an awareness that art is always there for you, even if you're not good at it. We have this feeling that art is for the artists and buying and appreciating art is for someone else. But really, art can be made by anybody, you know what I mean, to mm-hmm. a certain extent. It won't be fine art. It won't be excellent art. But there is something that it will do to your brain. There's something that it will do to your temperament. It will do something to do with how you perceive reality. Absolutely. I you, mean, there's – every. Everybody who's really an artist needs to express themselves, and I think that's that's the number one thing. It's expression. They want to be heard. They want to be. They want to get it out. You know, and that's a what a positive way to get it out. Yeah, it's. I think it's saved a lot of lives. It's really saved a lot of lives. Is that right? Yeah, you could plug because a lot of people who are artists are are fairly. You know, when you talk to a lot of artists, uh, you hear the same thing all the time. When you say, "What would you do if you weren't doing this?" and they said, uh, "Nothing." I don't even think I would be here. Mm-hmm. There's no way I would be here right now. I hear it all the time from fans, fellow artists, people that write in. If it wasn't for art, I'd be dead. 
guaranteed. You hear a lot of, you know, in the ghettos, like, you know, a lot of kids who, who come up in the gang world, they become the graffiti writers. You know, they become the street artists. They become people who are kind of like anointed that or tattoo artists. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who survive in jail. Well, what'd you do in jail? I was tatting all the guys. I'm uh, not, um, the kids couldn't, what am I going to do? Get my ass kicked, rape, whatever. I'm just, I became the tattoo guy, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the skating world. A lot of guys, we did a lot of the, uh, skate deck stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's an outlet, uh, and it's an important outlet. I in, love that, in word that way. Outlet. survival. Yeah. Outlet is, is an obvious word, but in this case, I really am picturing just a barge of water that has nowhere to go and literally giving it an outlet. That is that relief that is, that, is, that gives it someplace to be beneficial. Yeah, I love that. That that's what I'm going for. That's some good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. So tell tell me a little bit about about your story. I mean, people, that's your friend. Yeah, that's your buddy. There he goes. <laughs> oh, how did you get it? So you you're growing up in New York. Yep. Which which burr? Uh, Manhattan money making. Money making Manhattan. Money making Manhattan. Money making. Who's taken? Uh, probably people from Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, they, Brooklyn Manhattan taken. makes it. Queens takes it. Queen. No, Manhattan makes it. Brooklyn takes it. Queens is the wax. Staten Island, soft and smiling. Bronx bugging out on crack. Yikes. Bronx really got it. Bad. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> you gave it to Staten much. Island. That's the word. Well, did, somebody from Staten Island wrote that rhyme. I said, no. Manhattan makes it. Yeah. Brooklyn takes it. Manhattan keep on making it. Brooklyn Bro- keep on taking it. Well, that's from that. Yeah. Queens. Wait, Manhattan makes it. Brooklyn takes it. Queens is the whack. Staten Island, soft and smiling. Oh, soft or and smiling. smiling. Okay, so they got a little bit. Yeah, and Bronx bugging out on crack. Is this yours? No, 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 no. This is the early, 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 uh, early run. So when I what quote, is that Marley Marl or somebody? I forgot. When I quote uh, Black Star, they're referencing that. Yes, that, that Manhattan pre- keeps that, on making that, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, referencing yeah. that. Yeah, that predates it. Yeah, that predates it. So you're from Manhattan. We're I'm on from Manhattan. The, I'm from Manhattan, and I'm not a bum. Wait, uh. <laughs> That's, that's Beastie Boys. So, no, I'm from 98th Street. Let's only speak in uh, yeah, hip-hop ra- and references. Yeah, hip-hop references. Yeah. Uh, 98th Street and between Broadway and West End. 98th. 98th between Broadway and West End. Mm-hmm. On the Upper West, what we call the Upper Best Side. And it was a very, uh, very crazy neighborhood because now everyone's like, oh, you come from the Upper West Side. No, yeah. la, la. <laughs> I can't believe you come from there. You must... <laughs> You turn French. Uh, tu as beaucoup d'argent, toi. No, and I'm like, no, bro. I was there from like when there was two SROs on my block, single room occupancy, uh, basically shitholes on my block and 200 in my neighborhood. Wow. There was crackheads. There was murderers. There was drug addicts. The Reagan was dropping people by the busload into the neighborhood. Mm. And uh, because he, qu- he closed down Willow Creek and Creedmoor, which were all the insane asylums, mm. and he was just busing them to my hood. And you had all these literally crazy people who were off medication and tripping out on their own insanity. Mm. And then you had a lot of, you know, prostitution and slum lords, and, you know, it was like oh, all kinds of crazy shit was going on. Mom and dad? No, my dad uh, left when I was two weeks old to get milk, and he never came back. So when I saw him later in life, I was like, got milk? That was kind of a, <laughs> that was a joke. That, but I said that to him. He was like, hey, Boo, know, you're a vegan. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> that's, to, that's to say, fuck your dad. Yeah. I don't even want the milk, dad. Yes. But, <laughs> well, I'm um, very sorry about that. Uh, we're, no, we're, it's, it's, it, it, you know how sometimes it's like probably better that you weren't raised by certain people because they're, they were incapable of raising you? I think that was my situation. Mm. 
Unbeknownst to me until years later. As you're saying that, my, my only concern there is that we're like someone's listening and they're like, I will leave. I'm, I am bad. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe there's also probably some thought that your dad, it would have been better if he had been around. No, no. You know, I think for many years, my father passed away last year. I, I became close to him the last couple of years of his life. He, oh. died, he died of Parkinson's. Um, and he was a, uh, you know, he, he was a very charismatic very handsome, very cool person, great singer, uh, acting teacher, actor. He was a soap star <laughs> for many years. Um, Did you know that? Like well, I, I watched him. He was a good dad, like especially in episode five when he took uh, Mickey to the ball game. Uh, <laughs> again, I mean, yeah, be <laughs> very <laughs> good, Billy. Come on. Uh, who's the comedian I here know, now? No. Vlogging this guy right it's, over it's here, right here, right here. Hey, <laughs> oh, <wee. laughs> You look over, I'm just painting something <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I'm what like, the who's the artist? <laughs> so, you know, he was... Did you a, watch your dad? You, you don't have him, but did you? were yeah, you aware? He was a, yeah, I was aware. He was on TV. I watched him a lot. Absolutely. I and watched. this is, of course, before you could be like, you owe child support sort of thing? Oh, no, he never paid child support. Mm-hmm. He was a deadbeat. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of money, but he was a deadbeat. Yikes. Where my mom was broke, and, and uh, we were, you know, we were... We were uh, I was a latchkey kid. My mom had to work a lot of hours. And she kind of left me alone. You know, I think about it, it's funny now because my daughter's nine. And when I was a kid at nine, I was taking the train by myself. That's insane. You know, I was coming home at like 10 at night. I was hanging out on the stoop, playing stoop ball. You know, we were playing Ring of Lario in the park. Uh, we were playing like, you know, we were having snowball fights in Harlem. We were just like, we were just all over the city. We were like a pack of, like a pack of wolves. And my mom would be like, what are you doing? You know, and I'd be like, I'm, I just got home, mom. I'm cool. Whoa. And she'd be like, there's a TV dinner in the oven. And it was like TV dinner, macaroni and beef, uh, Stouffer's pizzas. McDonald's was down my block. <laughs> so that was pretty much my uh, that was pretty much my, my life. It was just alone, you know, like a lot. Like I would, one time my mom freaked out because she left me a TV dinner, and I think it was a nine at night, and I, I, I couldn't light the pilot. You know, you had to light all the pilots, the gas ovens. And eventually I, I lit a match in the the oven blew up on my face. Oh my God. So I called her screaming saying the oven just blew up on my face. And she came home. I had no eyebrows. Oh my God. No eyelashes. <laughs> I look like a weird, like freaky albino. Kid. Futuristic man. Yeah. Futuristic man. Well, that's a, my friend Nick. Or, or Grace Jones. Um, so yeah, that was a Grace slick. Wow. So yeah. you weren't, you weren't able to be super close with your mom. No, I, I was I was very close to my mom. I just I mean she was working a lot on the weekends. No, I'm kidding. No, uh. yeah, no, I was close to my mom. No, we were still very close. She just had to work a lot. I loved my mom. She mm. was a really good mom in many ways. But I think it was normal to take the train by yourself when you were nine in New York with it no was, eyebrows. With no eyebrows, it was just like that was the sh- like now I think about like I don't even let my daughter like twenty feet away from me. Yeah. But maybe it's because the world's changed or maybe it's because our perspective has changed on the world because we have more information funneling into our brain yeah. and we're more paranoid of the world. Yeah. I don't think people are inherently more evil. Maybe there's more people in the world, therefore there's more statistically evil people. That's just the light that lets me know we've been going an hour. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so very interesting. Very, very interesting. Where... Where, uh, when does art come in? When, do, when does your life start to kind of take My shape? mom takes me. My grandfather is a, uh, a letterer for Felix the Cat. He's doing Prince Valiant. He's doing all the old comic books. Hmm. Uh, he's at, he has his own comic, book, uh, which, is, which is competing with Mad Magazine called Frantic. 
and he's on the cover of all of them. Mad Mag. He was their Alfred E. Newman. He was their Alfred E. Newman. So they they put him out of business by suing him. Uh, he said he was first before Mad. Uh, so they sue him. Uh, he continues to be a letterer, a sculptor, a painter. He's very good. He's into the whole art world. He was actually good friends with Frankie Frazetta, Frazetta the great artist, who's, who your, your fans will know Frazetta if you don't. You're tripping. Um, I'm sorry. I think it's you tripping. Yeah. You tripping. Uh, my mom was a painter, a very unsuccessful painter, who would hawk her work in front of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I would go with her and just stand around. It's a tough competition. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, do you know there's Degas in that motherfucker right there? Like, there's some serious Rubens, Titians, and Raphael, and you're trying to sell this bullshit? I was like, we're going to be homeless. <laughs> but I got an early idea of what it was to be a salesman also with your art. Mm. And I think right now at this moment is the first time I'm really figuring that out right mm-hmm. now, which is really weird. Well, it is a business, too. Obviously, it, art is a business, and my mom was trying to make it a business, and she was unsuccessful. So she was a typesetter by day, uh, and a, and an artist by the weekends and by night. She would paint all night long and and get stoned, and and then she would sell her work on the weekends at the Met, or downtown, or at fairs. You know, any place she could do it. And then uh, I, I always had art around me, mostly like Bruegel and and Brock, and Northern European paintings, like like you know Rembrandt, uh, Vermeer. And uh, Hieronymus Bosch, all the crazy, crazy, wonderful artists uh, that that existed in Holland. And because my grandfather on my mom's side was from Holland. Mm. Um, so I was just really influenced by great classical artists. And then I had this kind of revolution of graffiti artists all over my city. I had, you know, great artists like Phase Two and, and Dondi and Tracy 168 and, uh, you know, Zephyr and just all the scene and these crazy. These are their tags. Yeah, these are their tags, and you're seeing it on these giant steel worms that are pulling into the subway station. Yeah. These, and you're seeing the old school spray can art all over the trains, and yeah. top to bottoms, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I don't know what this is, but I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm classically influenced already. You know, my grandfather's into like these painters, and he's a painter, and he's a letterer, and my mom's a painter. And it's in your blood. It's in my. It's in my DNA. It's in you your know. telomeres. Yeah, it's in my balls. That's <laughs> where it is. It's in my balls, right there. So uh, my telomeres, yeah, David Wolf. <laughs> yeah, David Wolf always comes through. So yeah, no, I, it's it's in my uh, my scrotums, and it's it's part of my my languaging. Yeah, let's jump let's jump from art because okay. you're more you're more than that. You're a lot of you're a lot of sure. <laughs> um, uh, what happened in your marriage? Oh, uh, it just didn't work out. I had my daughter, and you know, shit happens, and you change, and you realize that my daughter, nothing happened. My daughter was the greatest thing ever, and. It just wasn't meant to be in that way. Yeah. You know? It, it just, just, it was one of those things. It was like, I mean, I never regret it because I have my daughter. So that was the best thing that ever happened. Right. In a lot of ways. You know? And the relationship probably was good also. At times it was good. At times it was fucking horrible. But everything is a close dance. Everything is a hard relationship. Was she an artist? She's a makeup artist. She's one of the best makeup artists around. I mean, you know, we still talk. She's she's super cool. Mm-hmm. She is probably the best makeup artist in Hollywood. Uh, she works with everybody. So really, yeah, she's great. She's a fantastic artist, and she's, you know, in in her way, she's a she's a great artist. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, of course, sure. That was not my most uh, graceful entrance into something that's obviously what the fuck happened in your marriage. A little bit painful. Why did you fuck it up? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, do you fuck up everything? <laughs> 
<laughs> I realized as I said that I was like, well, we're friends. We're yeah. both divorced. I was like, I'll yeah, just, yeah, I'll just yeah. shoot this point blank. Oh, and divorce sucks, you know, especially when you got to split shit up. You know, like that's really, yeah, it's messy. Like you don't realize, like you know, marriage is. It sounds great, but like when you like, and when I see young people getting married, I'm like, y'all don't have any idea like what's coming. Yeah, because if you do have a kid or you do get married and you have equity, you know, get ready. Right. You know, get ready. You see it all the time, man. It's just nasty. So you gotta, you gotta be smart, and you gotta be calculated, and you gotta protect yourself. Right. Nothing wrong with marriage. It's just you know, it might not be for everybody. And everybody who gets married young, they they don't have any perspective. I will agree with that. Yeah, Luckily, you were married. I had about three hundred dollars in the bank. But if you did it now and you got divorced, it would be messier. It sure would. Yeah. And it would suck. Yeah, and it's it not would. a pleasant feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have love in your life now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. My girlfriend's she's cool, you know. Every every relationship is hard work, you know, but she's cool. She gets me. She's know? an artist as well. She's a very good artist. Yeah, very good. Very I, talented. What I, I I do know her. I'm just in, informing the uh, yeah. listeners. She I love that she doesn't automatically love your stuff. In fact, can be <laughs> yes, very she's, critical. She's, she can it. be critical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay though. You know, hey, you can't. She just she sees things from an artistic point of view, and she points out shit that she doesn't like. But she doesn't do it. She just kind of is, just kind of sits there and mm. doesn't say anything, which is worse. Uh-huh. And you're like, you like that? And she's like, I wait. <laughs> is that? Do you like it? Does that help you, or does it, that, it, does it that hurts, hurt you? It hurts, but it but but it, it's one of those things. Like deep down in your heart, if you know you're not bringing it, or you know, like in comedy where you're not funny or it's not a good joke. Or if in my painting, I really feel like I didn't really hit it. And then she does that. It kind of goes like, I get angry. Mm. Fuck. Fuck. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Why are you always like that? How come you don't give me any love? Why? Like, why are you so? But then I go downstairs to my student. I'm like, she's right. Mm. She's she's just, yes, just truthful. I think that if I do something that's truly great, she's not, she's not a cock blocker. You know, she's going to be like, yeah, it's great. She's never going to say no. She definitely is like, oh yeah, that's good. You know? Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's like when I pitched a show to Howard Klein once. You know, who owns th- Three Arts? Oh, sure. You know, the Chris Rock show and all that shit. You know, I was just going crazy. I was just doing all these different characters and voices and showing all my art. And he was just like, "That's good." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's good." You know, it was like, he 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 just it was like that. It was just like he he's not a giver. Yeah, and then. All of a sudden, he sees something and goes, ah, that's funny. Mm. I was like, that was the best he could give. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and those are certain people that are like that. And I think my girlfriend's a little bit like that. Obviously, not ex- as exaggerated as, as Harold Klein or somebody. But you know, she's just like that. Right. Let's, let's talk about uh, food a little bit. And then I, wa- I do want to talk about God, which is how we always round okay. out the show. Okay. Th- th- this art conversation was really art is god so go ahead yep boom jumping to the end justin boo it's like motherfucking hopscotch in this shit (laughs) this is uh you made the drink a mortal machine yes i did which i've joked that i want to make the unofficial sponsor of the show because it's like my favorite thing in the world all right but more interesting than that you can buy a mortal machine online um at longevitywarehouse.com boom you can also buy a warmest there. Oh shit! Here comes the negative comments. But you're a vegan. Yep. You're and you're a pretty gangster vegan. I'm gangster vegan. And tell me the story about breaking out. I'll fight. Yeah, I, I don't care. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you met yes. our friend, who is obviously a nut. 
uh, in, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, David Wolf uh, certainly uh, received some uh, criticism, as you said, <laughs> from some of the fans of this show, Whatever. for sure. That'll happen. You uh, met him, and then you went to a conference of his, and then you, you like you said, you grew up on McDonald's and yep. KFC, and mm-hmm. it was like a real addiction for you. Yeah, for sure. Would you tell that story? I know you've told it before, but I just yeah. I like the way you talk about it. So I went with my ex-wife. Uh, what went wrong there? <laughs> well, I think it was because I used to do caricatures of her, actually. <laughs> she was very offended by that. Again, that's the joke I should yeah, have made. Yeah. What is going on here? Yeah, who's the comedian? I, um, you know it's a Sunday. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Bloody Sunday. So I went to a retreat with my ex-wife, and she was on this kick. She's always on these different kicks. Like, she's kind of a serial, uh, serial spiritual junkie. Yep. And she was into her raw food phase shit and yep. i was like i don't want to go and she's like well if you don't go da 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 and i was like oh shit i better go was the da 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 no sex <laughs> well no it was like a combination of maybe that and some other evil shit i don't know what kind of bullshit trip she was laying on me but it yeah. was probably heavy yeah uh, so here you are loving your uh, 11 herbs and spices i was not feeling good in my life i was still eating mickey d's when i taught at usc at that point and i was uh, coming back and eating Mickey D's and, and I wouldn't feel good and I was eating at a Chinese restaurant and I was eating like orange chicken and orange shrimp and wonton soup and spare ribs and I would get like I wake up in the middle of the night screaming like ah! and yeah. I would be sweating yeah, and I was feeling nauseous and I was just getting like I was skinny fat I was skinny but with a fat belly and it was just like all kinds of wrong yeah skinny going fat. yeah it was all shit going on with my body and I was young too, so it was weird. I was like, "What the fuck is going on with my health?" And it was that point where, like, you had you re- reflux too. The reason I, I point that yes, out is that I, I had reflux yes. as well, and I had very bad acid reflux. And I was people. like, "It sucks. It takes shit. It bothers." Well, your yeah, life. it's from acid. It's from all the acidic foods like meat and dairy and bread, and that's what I was eating. Yeah. And so she brought me there, and 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 I was like, "Oh my god, David Wolf is such a weird hippie like guru." <laughs> well, I the first time we hung out, I really appreciated that you're you're a good presence to have next to Dave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we're here's yin David and yang. Yeah. talking about the water absorbing the information in books next right. to the water, and then there's you going, "I told you not to wear the fucking poncho, man." Right, right, right. You look like Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're Gandhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I was so freaked out, and I was like, "This is bullshit. This guy's a hippie. He's talking about raw food and shit." And I just escaped in the middle of the night. I climbed out my window. I jumped in the car. First night. So I think it was the second night because I think I just had avocados the first night and yeah. then there was this like really weird bushy shit that I was like I can't eat that what is it and they were like kale and I was like what that's f- whoa where does that shit grow that's a weed and yeah, they're like yeah. no that's a you know my ex-wife was like you're really stubborn and you're not open to anything and I was like well where do you get your protein you know yeah. like you're gonna probably die if you uh, if you don't eat uh, meat and yeah. she was like just listen to David Wolf and I was like that dude that dude has Birkenstocks a poncho yeah. and he's talking about like like Orma's gold and shit and yeah. I was just like I don't even know what he's talking about and drinking and, your own pee and stuff well he didn't talk about that but one of the people at the workshop was talking about drinking your own pee and I was like I can get the fuck out of here yeah, by the second yeah, night yeah. I climbed out the window jumped in my car and I drove to find a Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> There was no GPS back. Then. I was just gonna say pre G. This is pre-, pre GPS, right? So I'm like, like I'm like literally going down just go by an small. Arizona highway trying to look for some like bucket, yeah, some plastic like bucket on the road, yeah, yeah or yeah, like yeah. some arches. I just wanted some shit, something like, lit. Up. Pring- I would have been okay with Pringles, yeah, because I was really into Pringles back then. 
I was like, just give me some Pringle. Like, a, is there a Seven Eleven up the in this bitch? The sincerity you said. I was really into Pringles back then. It was very funny. I was really into Pringles back then. No, I was. That was like Pringles was part of my like my ritual. Like yeah. when I would come home late, I would make sure to get Pringles. Mm-hmm. And I actually did that a couple times as a vegan. They're Pring- they're vegan, but I I don't do that anymore. But anyway, I couldn't find anything. I said, fuck, fuck, and I just went back, kicking and screaming and bitching. You didn't find it? I didn't find shit. And I, because I was in the middle, it was at Eden Hot Springs, and Eden Hot Springs is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I just drove back, and I just was like, okay, fuck it. So I'm just going to sit down and do this shit. I'm going to whatever. And it was like, I started to eat the shit. And like, literally, like, I started to eat kale and, and, charred and raw food and i never ate raw food before i think i had like 20 avos a day just because that was the only shit that i felt okay with yeah well you're i love one of the things old Wolfbag says is that he says people that are craving meat when you go off meat mm-hmm. are really craving fat yeah they're craving fat people that think they're craving protein are craving fat yeah so yeah. if you can eat some avocados yeah it's the heavy it's that feeling of heaviness right so yeah. you're like oh i'm missing that like protein yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like no you're actually just missing that feeling of heaviness so you're yeah, missing yeah. like Olive oil or or cashews. olives, cashews, uh, nuts, yeah. seeds, uh, durian, something like that. Avocado, some of the fruits that have fat in them. Yeah. So I started eating that way, and and my belly started to dissipate, and I started to become healthier, and and my breathing became more normalized. I never woke up in the middle of the night screaming. Mm. Uh, I started getting so into it. I started reading books, like I started devouring books in a, a carnivorous way. Books are vegan. Yeah. <laughs> so I started reading like Fast Food Nation by John Robbins and Eric Schlosser's. Tell, tell. I'm sorry. Fast Food Nation by Eric Schlosser and Food Revolution by John Robbins. And, and eating I, animals. And eating animals. But th- that came later. Because oh, okay. this is a long time ago. Uh-huh. Johnson Safran wrote Eating Animals, but that came way, way, way recently. Mm. But um, I started to live that way and I started to cleanse. I started to do like a gallbladder flush. Uh, like I think I did like four gallbladder flushes in a row. Know. What is that? It's just where you drink a lot of olive oil and lemon, and you lie on your side, and you uh, you actually really shit out gallstones. What? Yeah, you've got gallstones in your body. Gallbladder. Surgery. You don't know me. Yeah, motherfucker, you got it. <laughs> motherfucker, you got gallstones. You see that shit, right? <laughs> what? I ain't got no gall. You got motherfucking gallstones, motherfucker. <laughs> Tell me, okay, so you're drinking olive oil and lemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you lay on your side and then fucking stones are coming out of you? Yeah, dude, I, first of all, let me just tell you, I didn't believe in veganism. Hit it. I did not believe in juicing. I did not believe in raw food. I did not believe in cleansing. I did not, I had to live it to believe it. Because I thought it was bullshit, like just straight up bullshit. I was like, you were going to die. I've been vegan 17 years now. I'm not, I'm. I'm healthier than ever. Yeah. You know, like... You're not dead. No, and I'm stronger and I'm faster and I feel like, you know, I got more energy. And I think that has a lot to do with the way I eat. Now, that being said, I think there's a lot of unhealthy vegans who are eating soy. I don't think soy is good for you. That are eating wheat. I don't think wheat is good for you. That are eating, you know, like fried shit. I haven't eaten fried foods in like seven, eight years. I do drink coffee. Uh, There's some shit that I do. Yeah. But for the most part, I do a lot of raw food. But uh, I didn't believe the gallbladder flush. I thought it was bullshit until I started to see motherfucking gallstones dropping out of me. And the best was not even that. I saw the gallstones coming out of me, but I saw that my digestion was way more intensely fast. So in other words, like I would be able to eat avocado, olive oil, and all the oils, and my body would metabolize it really fast. Mm. 
And that was like bizarre. That was supremely bizarre. I was like, whoa, my body's metabolizing all this faster because mm-hmm. I don't have as much clog. You think about it like a pipe in a sink, right? So you got all the muck, like in my, my art studio, I got all the muck in that fucking sink over years and years. You got to clean the pipes out. Mm-hmm. Gallbladder surgery, number one surgery in the U.S. No way. They will take your gallbladder out like it's a sneeze. Hmm. Oh, 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 take that shit out. Like, what? Your gallbladder is important. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? They're just taking it out. It's not a big deal. Just take it right out. I had my tonsils taken out when I was a kid. No one knew that the tonsils had anything to do with your immune system. Hmm. They were just taking shit out. Mm-hmm. They're just taking gallbladders out like motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Number one surgery. So the problem is that when you digest fats, gallbladder ha- has a lot, to, you know, has everything to do with that. And then your liver takes on that responsibility. And the liver is an important organ to do other shit. It's overworked already. Yeah, it's overworked already. It's cleaning your blood, doing all kinds of shit. So. When I started just living that way and eating cleaner and feeling better, I started to be like, yo, I got to get to know this David Wolf motherfucker because this guy is the truth. So I started going to his lectures and his seminars and doing all that shit and reading his book, Sun Food Diet Success System, and he really flipped my life around. Mm-hmm. And uh, Now, you're not raw. I'm, I was raw for a year, and I will say- Tell the people, yeah, tell them. When I was raw for a year, my eyes changed colors. This is no bullshit. This is the truth. My eyes changed colors. They were, they're dark brown now. They were light brown. They became hazel. My whites in my eyes did, weren't dirty anymore. They weren't shit dirt. They, were, they cleared up like white, like mm. white. Mm. My skin was perfect. It was like motherfucking olive porcelain. Hmm. Some sweet motherfucking <laughs> skin. That, You're made, looking- that made me think of a beautiful skin palette you're looking at yourself like i must paint you <laughs> yeah. i must find a reflection and draw myself immediately right no uh but but it was it was transformational and i'm not raw anymore and i know that the raw is the best right but it's very it's difficult it is fucking difficult yeah. and i'm lazy and like yeah. i said i'm a quitter no. we already went over the quitter uh. part right <laughs> but the veganism to me i can never quit because veganism just it, it makes so much sense and when you look at what's going on in the slaughterhouses and when you look at what's going on in the environment, there's just no way I'm eating meat again. I just look at meat like, what is that? Like, that's kind of the level well, it becomes It became foreign to you. It became very foreign I, I after a while. I heard you say that in an interview. Like, eating another living thing just doesn't make sense to you. Yeah, it's just not like I would never eat an animal. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good. So there's nothing about it in a 360 point of view that's good. Yeah. And you, you were the one. I don't want to get too graphic here, and I, I certainly, I also don't want to get uh, too preachy here. Uh, but you were the one that told me about how fucked up food is. Like, for example, someone on my staff was talking about eating microwave popcorn, yeah. and they were like, "Those bags are lined with uh, I forget it's three letters with a B: BPO, BMO, BLO, BPAs, or whatever. B whatever. Yeah. Who cares?" But they were saying that there's this cancerous thing that stays in your body for 20 years. And there's no way to get rid of it unless you just have to wait 20 years. And it causes cancer. And it's lining these uh, popcorn bags. And I said, what should I tell him? I texted you and I texted old D. Wolf. And uh, you both got back to me. And you said (laughs) you should tell him that it's nothing compared to what you're eating in uh, meat and dairy. Which is interesting because people will get pretty lit up if you go – did you know that this is in this and that thing right. you're eating and they'll freak out? But if you put it to me, pe- people do have a harder time letting go. Yeah, of, it is. It's, a, it's an addiction and it's like it's hard to change the 
the mentality like you know there's bovine growth hormone in in, in meats that's, right that's, that's crazy well, like, you were talking about the the children getting boobies yeah too it's soon. like the girls are getting breasts at like you know six seven eight years old and breastuses and i'm just like jesus christ like that is early but you know there's a lot of hormones going on out there and they're putting it everywhere right and uh and look at what they're feeding the cattle you know it's soy and corn and they're you know they're putting uh antibiotics in the feed it's just like everything is so poisonous that if people if people really knew what was going on there's an amazing documentary uh called earthlings which if you haven't seen it put that on your list it's disturbing earthlings is disturbing but it's a really good look into the uh farm you know factory Factory farming and that jinx you owe me a cow (laughs) i'm sorry coke uh, yes so (laughs) I think that like documentaries like that, Food Inc. is obviously a cool yep. documentary. Food so, Matters, Hungry food, for food, Change. Those, food Matters, yeah. All like. those things are, are they're good documentaries and they kind of open your eyes. Uh, I to, rewatch them every couple months. Once I start seeing myself eating more and more late night Thai food, which is vegan, okay. then you'll, you'll – <laughs> whatever. But yeah. then you'll watch it and you'll be like, yeah, there's some other fucked up shit going on that you need to be aware of. Yeah, I mean like recently I've stopped the uh, the – I've not completely stopped, but I've I've tapered way down on bread, and I feel better. Yeah, it's like it makes you make sense. It's like glue; it makes you feel like yeah, and you just feel better. And it's funny because I've been hanging out with a lot of like UFC fighters and and all of my fighter friends, and they don't eat bread. Right, it's and weird. a lot of the it's weird. You it's were like they, showing they me don't even the the fifty four year old. What's his name? Frank Madrano, fifty five years old. Yeah, check him out. YouTube. Holy I, I, no Jesus no fooling. You gotta Christ. YouTube that guy. He's fifty four. Fifty five. Fifty five, raw vegan, and he he looks like he's twenty five. And he does those His like body he is, does those hip hop pull ups where he's like doing them in slow motion. The guy doing a full is circle. strong, he's a beast, he's just like really uh and you know, you look at guys like that and you go like, wow, okay, th- that's the truth. I mean, a lot of what he says, obviously he works out like a beast. So like yeah, sure. he's He's an animal. Like, you know, I don't have time in the day to work out like that. But his diet plays a huge role in his body. Being so young, right? Uh, the fact is that if you eat less cooked food, you live longer. There's more enzymes. You yeah, know? you don't want to use your enzymes up. You're born with a certain amount of enzymes. So, the more raw you eat, the more obviously organic. If you can try to eat organic, yeah. God forbid it's not legitimately organic. Like people are mislabeling all the time, but. You know, that's why I go to farmer's markets. I just mostly eat at farmer's markets and yeah. I keep it clean. I eat a lot of foods that are, you know, all the probiotic food like, like sauerkrauts. And I've, I've just eaten some fucking sauerkraut. Oh, my God. Sauerkraut's so good. Can you, if you get yourself a, uh, a raw, <laughs> organic, hard to find organic sauerkraut. Uh, uh, golden, golden seal sauerkraut. That's what so, I got. Yeah, and, the gar- and the garlic one. Because then you're that, getting. That's organic. Yeah. Yeah. Raw garlic is really, really good for you. Yeah. Really hard to find. Uh, I would buy a jar of pickled garlic if I could find it. I just love I it. would love, yeah. Any any kind of garlic would, is good, and good water, good quality water. Oh, you're drinking Castle Rock. Castle Rock water is a Fine good water. good water from Mount Shasta. Yeah, and then there's raw water, as you know, from Maine. That well, we, we just bought it. We, we just, just ordered. We just yeah. bought a fucking pallet of it oh together. God. There's going to be so much of it. <laughs> I can't believe we ordered that much. But it's it's great. I mean, honestly, uh, for people <laughs> that are into this, uh, the the idea of drinking clean water and and living water or whatever is is one of the things that I think is most positively affected the way I feel. And you know, it helps yeah. your skin. It helps everything. It's really really nice. Good water is is great health. Yeah, good water is great health. Everything's yeah. water. 
Your water. Yeah, your water. water. Yeah. It, it makes it makes basic sense. It doesn't have to be David Wolf. Let's no. all, uh, meta, whatever you want to say, David Wolf joke here. I'm just saying it, <laughs> it makes sense to be like, if you're made between 60 and 90% of something, drink some of that, drink, drink some good shit. You got to drink good quality water and a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, outcry is that like, you know, the pushback is that, well, fuck that. Water's supposed to be free. And it is, you know, what the privatization of water is disgusting. What's gone on with this country in terms of just uh, monetizing water is is really gross. Um, Mm. And we really live in an age where we do have to pay uh, top dollar to get good water. Yeah. But your health is your wealth. And it's really important to keep your your body uh, in tune. And and a lot of that is really having good quality water. So Castle Rock water and raw water are – and Mountain Valley spring water – uh, are really good quality waters, and they're all in glass bottles, or they're not in plastics. Yeah, I just found out. That, I'll talk about this all day. That even uh, plastics that say BPA free, we, we keep discovering new fucked up things about plastic. Plastic is yeah. just like not really great for you. Yeah. I would say I think Old D Wolfbag would uh, would disagree. <laughs> Certainly, tap would be like a bad water, and then but if you're gonna start somewhere, mm. let's say you're drinking only tap water, I think going to plastic spring water is still better than just fucking with tap water. Yeah, I mean, I have a whole house filtration system. Yeah, that, and that's tap water. And that's tap water. Yeah. And I drink it. Yeah. You know, Dave, Dave says you can't get rid of the radioactivity or, or whatever in the water, and there's some things you cannot get rid of, but, <clears throat> you know, you got to pick your poison. Yeah, I mean, you we, do. We, first of all, we live in L.A. Yeah. It's a very dirty place. There's 4,000 chemicals in the atmosphere. I mean, this is a very filthy... Right. We're not living in the Himalayas. Right. If we decided to be ultimate health nuts, we would probably move to Tibet. Right. That's true. Right? Or Peru. But we want to be here because we want to be famous and we want to be rich. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I'm not. So um, <laughs> so we have to drink shit like Castle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> we, we started with such yeah. a, a yeah. heartfelt yeah. endorsement yeah. of and Castle then, Rock then, water. Yeah, but it, it really no, I mean, you know, you, you really try to – Dave always tells me to stack the odds in your favor. Stack mm. the odds in your favor. Well, how can you do that? You could drink a good quality water. You know, you could eat organic foods. You could lessen your intake of – uh, fried foods. There's some things that everybody could agree upon, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows good water is good. Everyone knows organic's better. Everyone knows fried food is bad for you. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows don't eat too much meat, if any, because it'll give you a heart attack. It'll clog your blood. You know, it'll clog your uh, veins, arteries, yeah. arteries. So people know certain basic things. Mm-hmm. Just abide by those things. One one quick gross animal yes. thing because you are the one that I, I I came to you know I'm I'm a flegan that's the term we use on this term meaning I actually had a flegan moment today I've been vegan Were you that you only eat fleas pussy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers I only I don't eat, know what, oh no, why does he have a pussy <laughs> it just felt weird it just felt weird it just felt flegan weird. means flexible it means okay, I, okay. I, I don't beat myself up too much okay I'm actually in a really good place diet-wise, meaning it doesn't matter. Who cares what I'm doing? Okay. Mostly vegan. Okay. Very, very close to vegan. And then today, a 40-year-old girl who I love very much handed me a chocolate chip cookie, and I just took a bite of it because yeah. uh, that's what being a flegan is about. Right. To me, the toxicity of going no, while I understand staunch vegans and deeply right. respect them, I'm not saying right. they should become flegans. I'm saying 
I take the cookie and I bite it and I say thank you so much and she laughs and we laugh and, and she eats the rest of the cookie and I, I don't I'm, I have no guilt about that I'm not going to make right. my own cookies and you know for my birthday we had a, a raw vegan cake and all that sort of stuff and I loved it right. I'm, I'm stacking the odds in my favor in my own way that's what sure. being a fleegan is for me yeah you know I don't know. I feel a little bit more hardcore about this kind of a thing because it's a discipline thing for me. It's like a mental set. Like when I get into something, I get into it. Right. Like and roller like, skating. Yeah, right, right. Or not. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I'm, I'm going to do this or I'm going to don't this. And I decided like, you know, some people are like, well, especially when you talk about diet, people trip out. People are like, yo, man, this guy. It's like politics. And yeah, it's idea. like politics. This is like they're staunch about it. So they're like, well, you know, I'm kind of more of a flexitarian. I'm really healthy. I kind of eat what I want, when I want. Like, if I see, like, an amazing steak, I'm never going to say no because I don't want to offend people because, you know, in my culture, you hear that all the time. Well, you know, I'm half Puerto Rican and porque yo soy puertorriqueño, you know, boricuas, they eat like this, you know, and I'm talking about like that, right? So, you know, but then you hear, like, you know, I'm Australian and the way we eat, it's just the way it is in you know, Australia. We like to eat that way. But everybody, every culture, every people, they say the same bullshit, which is like, come on, man. It's bullshit. Um, if you're going to be vegan, then, you know, be vegan. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't half it. You know what I mean? Like, don't, but I'm 98% No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. No, no. I'm not like, I'm not, come on, bro. Yeah, I'm not, I know, I know, I'm not I criticizing you. I'm just saying, like, the... It's just so funny how people justify their own trips about, and it's kind of like this uh, entitled kind of white hipster mentality. Mm. And you see it all the time. Like I live in Echo Park, which is the the capital of white hipster uh, entitled bearded guys with skinny jeans. Mm -hmm. And they're all flexitarians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of vegan, but I'm kind of off this trip and kind of like I thought that was way too hardcore. Now I kind of eat what I feel Mm. and I don't, you know, I'm kind of a non-offensive, you know, eat. You just see like, or I'm a foodie. Like that's become really big. Right. So meaning I'm really into foie gras I'm like, dude, do you know how fucking evil foie gras is, motherfucker? Like, I want to stuff your shit like a duck. Like, I will take you by the neck and force feed your shit. You think that, like, that is so evil right. that, like, I look at that and I just go, it's just, it just feels weak. It feels weak to have that kind of mindset. I understand. I completely yeah, understand. That's all. It, it's not like, look, you have a cookie, whatever. It's a fucking cookie. You know, you're doing that shit with a four-year-old. You're breaking bread. You're breaking cookies with I'm a four-year-old. I'm breaking cookies right. with a four-year-old. Yeah, and, and look... If she handed me, honestly, if she handed me beef jerky, I would have said, I'm right. going to pass on that. Right. And, and also for me, like, <laughs> like, for me, like meat scares me. Meat like actually is like, well, I've well known. you have helped me. Because I, I don't because I don't you like you don't know what's in that meat. Right. Well, like you, what the fuck is in there? You were talking about. You have no like people go, well, you eat, uh, you know, you eat kale and there could be some crazy shit in that. It's like, dude, I wash the kale. It's not bioaccumulating toxins. Yeah. Because it it's happen. on the surface. It's like weird. It's not like they're injecting that shit with bovine growth hormone. Mm-hmm. They're not feeding the kale antibiotics. Yes, there might be chemical fertilizers and pesticides, because even though they told me there weren't, there could be. It could have been sprayed, but I can wash the shit out of that kale. Try washing an organ. It's not. You can't. It's impossible. It's in there. It's oh in the fucking God. DNA. And then if this is like right fucking there. Yeah. Take a fucking bite of that. Well, I don't give a shit. I mean, anyway. Okay, cool. Then didn't do it. Yeah. But don't be like all flexy on me and get hipster. <laughs> <laughs> you, the gross thing that you told me, and yes. then we'll move off of diet, was that cows with the tumor. Your fans probably really like me, though they really hate me after that. It's okay. <laughs> 
Uh, one of my favorite comments ever on the, on the show, uh, a weirdo left a comment where he says, I don't listen to the show to have my own reflect my own views reflected back to me. I listen to the show to have new thoughts given to me. Yeah, and by the way, don't write bullshit about me if you're not going to say it to my face. Because I, I like doing jujitsu and I enjoy fighting. Uh, so I just, just like, you know, just a little bit. And I have, and if I can't beat you, like, I, my, my friends who are fighters will. This is like Iron Man 3. <laughs> you give out your home address. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> oh, God. No internet comments. No just internet comments visits. if it's not positive. Oh, God. And if you do, be willing to fight. <laughs> oh, God. You're the weirdest. You just go on this thing about compassion and, and being. Yeah, and then it's like, I'm just an oxymoron. Yeah. I'm fucked up. No, that's fine. And hey. like I said, if I can't beat you, my, my friends can't. So. I, I ate a cookie today. Yeah. Um, With a four year old. <laughs> that was my justification. That seemed perverted. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> Why'd I say well? Yeah, well. 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 I can't control how things sound to you, is what Ooh. I meant. What's up? Nothing. Just my phone's blowing up. But go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, no, now we're going to talk about God and then we're done. Okay, God. Love God. How were you raised? Um, and uh, Not religious at all. Okay. My mom did not believe in God. Um, my grandparents were Catholics, and they thought I was going to go to hell because I was Jewish on my mother's side. And so they stole me for the weekend and told my mom they were bringing me uh, to some kind of great adventure trip, mm. and they brought me to get baptized. So when I told my mom that later in life, she thought I was joking and uh, because she said if that was true, she would kill herself. And so I said I was joking. She doesn't listen to your show, so she lives in the middle of nowhere. So oh, she, my God. Because she's like, you were not. But I was never bar mitzvahed. My mom was Jewish by default. She was Jewish um, you know, because she was Jewish, but she was beaten up a lot. And she, my, my whole family comes from New York. My dad comes from Queens. My mom comes from the Lower East Side in a very tough Irish-Italian neighborhood. And she was beaten up a lot for being Jewish. Uh, my my grandfather, her father, was blacklisted and as a, as a communist. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I think she had a lot of Jewish ties, intellectually, and because of Jewish scars, because she was beaten up for being Jewish so much. Jewish so she ties had a, starring Micah J. Fox. Yeah, thank you, Micah J. Fox. <laughs> God damn all, it! I'll be here all show. So, so please uh, keep going. Sorry. No. So my mom was uh, was not was not very. Um, was aligned it? to that and my grandparents were very god oriented and so what I did you feel when you got baptized do you remember were you like i don't remember anything or? it's yeah. a blank to me my uncle told me mm. he's like did you know that kathy and john stole you and baptized you and i said no i said well you were very young and they felt you were going to go to hell wow and uh looking at it from their side I, I'm and by you. the way i'm covered in case because uh, i for me i don't know like i can't like i'm not not believing i know that there ain't no like one dude god type of you know i'm not a monotheistic guy as michelangelo painted him on the sistine chapel yeah. god but you know he threw out 80 percent of his gods <laughs> yeah that i told that's you that's a masterful comment yeah, that's a very very bizarre comment <laughs> and maybe it's true maybe god would have been perceived differently had michelangelo kept some of the drawings he threw out of god yeah sure if there was a god that he drew yeah but I didn't really grow up with a sense of uh, of God. I grew up with a very strong sense of atheism. Mm, mm-hmm. My mom was a very staunch atheist and thought like people who believed in God were 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 anti intellectual dummies. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, she did. She thought they were simple. So we're coasting as an atheist, and then it sounds like you're not an atheist now. No, I'm. Uh, I think that I'm spiritual. I think that I'm more of a. I don't know. I don't. You don't know until you're there. You yeah. know, like so. I'm not really 
sure. Um, there are certain things that have been spiritually awakening to me that have questioned the existence of God. Every time I'm on, you know, the plane, I definitely believe in God. I have God moments. <laughs> no, no atheists in foxholes sort of thing? Yeah, no atheists in foxholes. And I think that's kind of how I am. I'm like, um, you know, I, I believe in God for a minute. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an entity out there, whether it's Mother Nature. I believe in Mother Nature. So for some, that's God. Yep. For others, it's just Mother Nature. Just energy. Energy. Yeah, I believe in something that's out there. Uh, and I can't even think about it because it hurts my brain. And that's fine. But you do try to participate with it in your work, and your art. I go to temple, uh, actually. I really? Go to, yeah, I go to temple every so often uh, on high holidays because I love my, I love the rabbi, even though I'm not uh, religious at all. Uh, I think he's such a spiritualist. His name is Rabbi Mordecai Finley, for all y'all Jewish motherfuckers out there. That doesn't sound like a Jewish name. Mordecai Finley? No, he's actually... Uh, JK. Yeah, he's no, no, no. He, it's actually Finley. Is Finley? Irish. Finley doesn't. Yeah, talk. so he was. His Mordecai dad was Irish. Great, his mom yeah. was Jewish. He grew up in Compton. Uh-huh. He's a black belt in Gracie Jiu Jitsu in mm. Jiu Jitsu, and he was in the Marines for many years. Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Bam. <laughs> I'm punny as a motherfucker. So you like some ceremony? You like a little bit? Yeah, of church I liked it. Life. I like the spirituality and the tradition of it. Uh, I like how smart he is. He's so smart and he's so wise and he's so deep. I brought David Wolf there and David's mind was blown by Mordecai. Mordecai is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Mm. He takes very simple things and breaks them down in very complex ways. The way his brain works is very deep. Mm. So I enjoy the talks. And when it comes to Baruch, Atoy, Danoim, I'm like, I slip out the back. Eluhenu, man. And, yeah. And, and Mordecai's, where the fuck did this guy go? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't like I just not I di- it's cool but I don't that's not my part I just I get into his speech and and his and a lot of it is symbolic and and a lot of it is uh you know metaf- metaphysical mm. and he's a he's a he has a great one of the great minds in the world hmm. sounds like somebody Mordecai yeah. Finley you know probably just check out one of his podcasts we I should mean, it, what, does he do podcasts uh-huh yeah, oh. he 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 does he oh he does he's got stuff out there that you can download and you listen to him and you go like wow that mm. was a, that was a spiritual journey mm. of uh, epic proportions. He should do this show. He should. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Put, put him. Put he is down. a heavy guy, and he's also my relationship therapist. Mm. He does marriage counseling, mm-hmm. uh, relationship therapy, stuff like that. But he is he's he's been on documentary. I like he's popped up in documentaries. Really? Like I've been watching a documentary. I'm like, Geez, that's Mordecai. That uh, was just weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Very L.A. Yeah, very L.A. <laughs> it's so L.A. It's ridiculous. <laughs> He's like everywhere. Is that Bruno? Yeah. <laughs> so that's Bruno. And I'd like to tell you that I'm feeling Varhona right now. <laughs> so Pete Holmshaw is some things that you want to talk about to all your friends. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so, Don Kishan, motherfucker. <laughs> so you don't know. Uh, you're not too worried about it. You're dead. Uh, what? What? What now? Your Your father passed. Were you concerned about some sort of afterlife, or, you, or do you communicate with your father? No, I don't. Um, my father is dead, and he <laughs> is gone, and that's the, that's it. You know, and I think that he was very part of my removal from that is that my father was very f- afraid to die. Mm. He was very, he lived in a lot of fear. And I think I'm kind of wired that way. Like mm. I'm, I live, you know, anxiously and 
in a lot of fear. And I think that he was so afraid to die that it made me kind of flip and be like, you, you need to let go. And I had to tell him many times to let go. And I think part of me telling him that it was okay and that there was, you know, there was a lot of love and you're great and you're loved and mm-hmm. it's okay. I think a lot of that allowed him to, to go to the other side or, or to pass away because he didn't want to die. He really didn't. And it's crazy because he was, uh, he was in a lot of pain and he was hurting a lot. And Parkinson's is no joke. Parkinson's will tear you the fuck up. You're a guy who's six foot two, uh, athletic, strong, and all of a sudden you wither into a cripple. And uh, Parkinson's is, is a no joke. And it took him, it took him down hard. And uh, it was time for him to go and get out of the body, get out of that pain. And uh, I, I, I did as much as I could to walk him through that. And I think that was healing. I did the same thing for my grandfather on my mom's side. Um, you know, I was with him till the end. I don't think that I walked him through it because I think he had a lot of brain damage at that point. But but with my dad, I think there was a lot of communication there where I just said, you got to release hmm. into the universe. And there there is something out there in the universe that's more powerful, that's unknown, and that's okay. I don't need to know. Can I say something? Yeah. Um, I, I felt that I could. I just, is that a good time to say something? Yeah. Your father uh, passing mm-hmm. and then his body disintegrating, let's say, over time. There's no more or less energy in the universe. I think that's just like one of those trippy thoughts. Kind of like the idea that there's no new water. The universe also has no new energy in the sense that you could burn up this pad and there would be the same amount of energy. It would just be dispersed differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure about energy being created elsewhere. I'm not sure, so I, I don't mean to offend any. Uh, very smart scientist, but I know that if I burn this pad, its energy had just been dispersed. I think that's that's a thought that I've been tripping out on. Yeah, I think that uh, it's recycled. The right. Universe, the universe is recycled. The universe favors recycling. Yeah, uh, it does. And uh, when we're all when when we're gone, or if there happens to be some kind of horrible nuclear holocaust, nature will figure it out. Yep. You know. You're vegan. You eat meat. Whatever. It's all gone. It's all gone. Nature will figure itself out. And we will have we'll have a Garden of Eden here. We'll have paradise on Earth. It has all the time in the world to figure mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, yeah, it will. You well, know, that's great. So uh, I can't say if 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 God exists or, or what God is because I'm not. You know, I'm not that person who knows. Right. But I, what I don't like, if I may <laughs> editorialize this for a moment, is when fighters knock someone out and said, well, I'd like to thank God for that moment because, you know, you know, God gave me the strength to knock that guy, you know, knock that brother out right there. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for making me know that. You know what I'm saying? Because you guy. did it for me. No, <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> just like any anybody like you, I'd like to thank God for that knockout. No, it's like, wait, why are you thanking God for the knockout? God, if God exists, God is not giving you the power to knock that other person out. That was a horrible act. That person just got a concussion. House. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Girl, I will house you. You just got like, God gave me the power to say, girl, I will house you and to knock that motherfucker out. Right. No, no, God didn't do that. It is interesting. As a thought experiment. <laughs> That's some stupid shit. I agree. I agree. It's, it's absurd to, to thank God for that. But I, I mean, like. Thank God when you were on the road and a car swerved and you swerved out of its way. Yeah, but the, 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 thank God I, I don't know. This is a God that this is our lifeguard God, and He's somewhere else, and He's watching, and He's intervening. Mm. Or God was the fight. God was the guy that got knocked out. God, God was the guy that knocked him out. God was you observing that. You know what I'm saying? The space between you and I right now. There's another thought. 
the empty space, mm-hmm. where in Eastern Europe they have a word for that, or Asia. Mm-hmm. The empty space between you and I is made up of the same stuff that makes up you and I. Absolutely. Which is fucking trippy. It and is. Everything is just a relationship and a symphony and something happening. Absolutely. So I'm of the belief that God was that fight. God didn't come in and help that guy knock him out. But that, just in the way that parts of my body are fighting and they don't need to thank me for winning or losing, that fight was also just a part of this thing that we call being. We'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you think of of the Sistine Chapel, when you think of Night Watch, when you think of Jerry Coe's Raft of Medusa uh, painting, those those pieces there's something other out there that helped create that work it's mm. so good they've if anything has touched god that's why i see great art like that's that's kind of like the hand of god like in a lot of ways and michelangelo really believed this michelangelo when he was painting for pope julius ii he believed that he was the hand of god mm. and he was enslaved because of that and he was like there's who, who does david at 20 four 26 years old whatever he was like who sculpts that that's uh, that's un uh, that's unhuman yeah that's not just talent because there's talent there's greatness but then there's stuff that's unhuman which is godly mm. or godlike or god given or god you know god came through you so in that way when you when you see that you, you see like there's something greater and i'm not like i said i'm not calling it god but there's definitely something greater out there mm. That some people can tap into. But I, I just don't think it's that knockout punch. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because you're... Because that's it's, violent? No, it's, it's, it's not as great as the Sistine Chapel. I don't think you can put it in the same category. Hmm. You knocked him out because you're stronger, you're faster, you got lucky, you know, your, your timing was better, your agility was better, you hit him at the right place. Well, we love stories like David and Goliath. What if you were weak? And what if that guy wasn't just, right. what no, if it no. wasn't a UFC fight, but he was some guy that was going to attack your mother? Yes, then that was, then that was, then that, it's plays, that plays differently. It's his context. I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm interested sure. in watching your brain kind of deal with my puzzle, boo. <laughs> Welcome to the Pete Holmes maze. Crawl out now. Wait, I'm lost. Of course you are. You're in the labyrinth of my trickery. Welcome to the verbal life of Pete Holmes. Oh, I'm so stuck. You are? Is it this door? No. Where is it? I don't know. There are no doors. Yeah, there are no doors. But you can leave anytime you And yet you there's want. a ceiling. What's that smoke? I don't know. What is it, Bua? Mushroom powder? Reishi? Yeah. Shiitake or psycho or yeah, Amanita muscaria. Yeah, there you go. Uh, fucking a. Let's drink some Immortal Machine. Do you have some? Oh fuck, I have it at the office. Oh my god, it's Immortal, so Immortal good. Machine is dude. So Immortal Machine is so much like crack that when I went today and I went to that thing that I did today, uh, I had to drink a lot of Immortal Machine. Oh yeah. I was going to bring you some, but I am. At- I drank like literally, uh, you know, the sour, the golden seal sauerkraut jar. Yeah, I filled it up with a mortal machine with reishi mushrooms and uh, with reishi powder, uh, reishi powder, almond butter, a mortal machine, coconut water, harmless harvest. Wow, bam! That was a zinger. Everyone's like, "Do you want a diet coke and a Red Bull?" I was like, "I'm good." They're like, "What are you drinking?" Well, if I can say it again. All this uh, raw vegan stuff isn't just about being hoity-toity up around no. butt stuff. It's about fucking Feeling drinking good. something that makes yeah. you feel amazing. Really true. So give it a try. Yeah. Uh, do you feel satisfied? 
I feel great. I feel great, too. I just want to make sure you're happy. This was a tr- tremendous episode, and yeah. I'm grateful to you uh, yeah. for, for doing it with us. Well, I had an amazing time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I hope that Pete produces my podcast, too. Which is called? I don't, I don't have one yet. Oh, that's Sorry, right. Yeah. I remember we talked about that. <laughs> no, I but, know, uh, I but eventually I will. I thought you had a name. Well, let me know. Uh, will you say the guest says keep it crispy at the end? Uh, it's a good thing. It's on a trick. Would you okay. say it is, Bruno? Why don't you keep it crispy? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you keep it very crispy? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.